You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Deep Share Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Rouse, and for the last couple of decades, I've slowly been opening my eyes to a very different world than the one I grew up hearing about. And the more conversations I have with interesting people, the more mystifying this world becomes. So without further ado, let's get deep. There's a science to celebrate, Davis, listen out. I'm come on! There's rebellion in the wind. Everything I've said is true, it's real. Dinosaur blossoms? God put those here to test our faith. A damn lie, I, I saw them on my own eye! Did I accuse just drop sharply while I was away? We did illusions, man. None of it is true. I'm not insane! This is mass madness, you maniacs! In God's name, you people are the real thing! We are the illusion! But yeah, thank you guys so much for joining me. I, at first, I, I'd like to just kind of go around and because, you know, this is the first time we're all talking together, except for the two of you on the <laughs> Union of the Unwanted, which is awesome. Uh, it's another great podcast that everybody should be listening to. Absolutely. So who, any, anybody who wants to start and say hi to, to my, my listeners, the Deep Share listeners, go right ahead. I'll jump in. Hi, this is Eric Stone. I, uh, I'm, uh, Andy and I have been friends for like 20 years now bonded since we bonded over our corn t-shirts freshman year of high school um i'm really really excited for this conversation because like i'm very very fascinated by it super open-minded like excited about all the stuff but like i'm not in the weeds at all like i'm like barely barely scratching the surface so super excited to meet everybody here um i i know for a fact that you all have an immense amount of expertise so really excited to hear some educated opinions that like I can count on to like kind of rise above the the static that I'm seeing out there. Not me, I've got no expertise, I assure you. <laughs> um, my name's Charlie Robinson. I am the host of Macroaggressions Podcast. I'm one of the four hosts of the Union of the Unwanted and um, I'm an author. So I've written a couple of books and UFOs are not my specialty, but I, do, I did cover a section in my 
first book, The Octopus of Global Control, about the fraud and lies of NASA. So anytime you start to poke around in that area, you get into some, you get into UFOs, of course. And so I have a, a, a tiny bit of, of experience with it. Not, not like in a personal way, not like I've ever seen one or had a weird experience, but, but I, I've all, I mean, I've always been fascinated in the topic. And so when you cover, like I do control structures and government lies and things like that, you, you inevitably get brought into that as a topic. So I'm really excited to, uh, to get weird with the rest of you today. <laughs> my, uh, my name is Dave Zed. I'm host of the uh, Generation Z podcast, and we basically cover everything uh, UFO, you know, uh, intelligence operations, a uh, little bit of the, of the paranormal side of things. And uh, yeah, just looking forward to and I'm very honored to, to be here. And I'm, I'm very thankful as well. So thank you for having me. Uh, thank you guys all. I'm, I'm the, the honored one to, to be able to get you guys all on at the same time. Uh, and Charlie, you mentioned that this isn't like your area of expertise, but on the latest Union of the Unwanted, when you guys were kind of just shooting the shit for a couple hours, you went pretty hard on this topic at one point, And that yeah. sold me right there. I was like, I love Charlie's work already. But <laughs> that angle right there is literally what I'm looking for because yeah. I've spent so much time and this is for everybody. Now, I, I've spent so much time on social media lately looking at specifically what I used to call part of our community that has completely flipped. And UFO Twitter being a prime example is kind of freaking me out because groups of people and specific people even that I have followed for a long time suddenly speaking a language that I don't understand anymore. And uh, it seems that I, what I'm seeing is uh, the same level of earnest bowing down and bending over for the intelligence community is happening similar to the, you know, people getting vaccine tattoos and, and making songs <laughs> dedicated to Anthony Fauci. It's a very interesting parallel that's going on. And it's, it might be, in my opinion, what could break them down. It could let the house of cards fall because this side of things, there's a huge community of very passionate, very intelligent and well-read people that are not having this disclosure. And if anybody wants to jump in, I just want to kind of leave this as a kind of an open-ended conversation. Let's jump all over it. If somebody makes a song about praising Lou Elizondo, they're getting blocked. I'm just telling you right now, that is hundred percent happening. Yes, actually, I saw a new, so like I said, like not super deep into this stuff, right? So I'm like, I'm, I'm on Twitter and I see somebody like a repost of a New York Times article. And the New York Times article is like the upcoming quote unquote disclosure, according to a high ranking official is like, nothing is going to be revealed. It's all going to be, like they're not going to commit to anything they're not going to give us any new information whatsoever it's like what is what is what's that about because andy i know i mentioned it to you and you were like oh that's lou elizondo i don't know who that is <laughs> well i think he's oh. a name that's that's popping up more and more uh now but uh yeah if, uh, if dave go ahead go right ahead. well mr mr elizondo was formerly the head of a secret pentagon program that was studying ufos now what's interesting though is that it just goes to show you that even within these secret programs there are still people that don't know what's going on that's how compartmentalized it usually is uh he was accused of being a, a fraud a fake until he brought out his credentials in addition to his resignation letter uh from and also his superior signing off on it so they kind of shut up after that but to add what you were saying at the beginning uh deep share 
there about how there's disclosure and all that. There's not, and to add to what Charlie was saying too, there's nothing like it when the intelligence community partners up with the mainstream media to try and throw a bunch of stuff at us. And I say that sarcastically, but yeah. there's, there's nothing like it when, especially when the military industrial complex uh, gets involved. Now, without me going on too much of a rant, because I did want to ask all of your guys' opinions on uh, Lou Elizondo, I would say with regards to disclosure, there are many different factions, including non-human factions that are vying for a, a, somewhat of a timing of a release of disclosure. And apparently back in the 80s under Reagan, there were a couple times that up until the 11th hour, disclosure was going to come and then it got stopped and prevented by other forces, if you will. So for what's complicated is that to, in my perspective, from my research to say that there's, a, you know, there is a shadow government that's holding all of this back and they have one big plan. Yes and no. I think there are different elements within this shadow government. Some factions are saying, okay, let's just get it out there. Other factions of it are saying we still need to hold on, which is why we see, for example, different agencies pulling on different strings because, you know, NASA, the CIA, the, the Pentagon, they, one, one person says one thing, another Navy a fighter pilot says another thing, and then, you know, it's just all over the place. Right. So some people don't like Mr. Elizondo. Uh, I, again, uh, some people say he, he's not consistent, but there's also been a lot of lies thrown out about him, too. So even myself, uh, just curious, like, where do you guys stand on him from what you've seen? I don't uh, trust the guy at all. OK, can I, 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 can I, I ask why? I'm, I'm, I'm curious. Yeah, yeah, it's real simple. CIA. Yeah. OK, gotcha. Once CIA, always CIA. I will never trust anybody right. that was ex-CIA, used to be CIA, I, right. I don't care. Automatic yeah. disqualification when it comes to disclosure, which I'll, I'll be honest. So my personal feel, 100%, I believe that there is something else out there. I believe that we've had contact with it. I believe that people inside parts of the government know more about this than others. I do believe it's extremely compartmentalized. So it's hard to tell who knows what. And I would like for us to be honest about this and have the conversation like adults and say, look, let's talk about what's really going on out there. All right. It's not, yes, it's going to be tough for some people. Some people are going to freak out, but I, you know, we can't worry about that. That's we're trying to, I, I want the truth, you know? So I want, I want as much information as possible. However, when it comes from a CIA connected guy and it's on the mainstream media, I just will not believe any of it. Now, will I throw some right. good information out with the bad? Probably, but but that's okay with me because I take that guy and that group to the Stars Academy has over a hundred years of CIA experience sitting on their board of directors. <laughs> Why anybody would take them seriously is beyond me. I just, I just, like I said, I just, it's automatic disqualification. I, if I could add to what you said there very quickly, I also feel that Again, in addition to what I said about Mr. Elizondo, at the same time, you raise a very good point because he's only on CNN and Fox and all this because he's been allowed to be put on there. Right. Is, that's what I, I feel like you're getting at. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For sure. yeah. yeah. OK. Yeah. And, and, I mean, if 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 one of us has the goods and we want to get on CNN or Fox News or anything, it's never going to happen. Right. But, but Lou Elizondo, through his 
you know, obviously, I mean, we know about Operation Mockingbird. We know the CIA and the media have a very tight relationship. If they want him to be on the nightly news, they'll put him on the nightly news. My question is, so we've we've had at least 60 years of the nightly news telling everybody that they're crazy for believing this or, you know, the 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 I don't know, it was the governor of Arizona or the mayor of Phoenix, whoever it was, and that with the Phoenix Lights thing comes out and says, we've caught the culprit and brings out the guy in the alien mask and everything. And they're like, ha, yeah. ha, ha. So we've been ridiculed and called conspiracy theorists and made to feel like morons for 60 plus years. Now, all of a sudden, it's just nightly news like, oh, yeah, of course it's happening. I'm, it's, yeah. it's too convenient for me. The, these are organizations that have zero credibility, in my opinion, but the mainstream yep. media and the CIA. And so I want disclosure. But is it too much for me to ask that I want it on my own terms? You know what I mean? I want it a, a different way than this. I just, it's like, I still understand, I still believe that those things are out there and happening. But as soon as you get CIA and the mainstream media, it's just got disinfo written all over it, in my Absolutely. opinion. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. And uh, you mentioned it being like 60, 70 years. And that kind of struck a nerve with me because I've been thinking about this a lot lately. I keep seeing that amount of time in the news and it's, it's just repeated over and over again, just as we in the UFO community have repeated it over and over again. They're literally giving us seemingly what, like almost exactly what we want. But before we keep going, I want to say hi to Mark from My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. Welcome, Hello. sir. How's it going, Mark? Good. How are you? Can you hear me? Yes, yep. we can. Yes, we can. Cool. So, Mark, uh, why don't you just give a real quick uh, introduction to my, to my audience just to tell everybody who you are and everything, and we'll jump in. Cool. Thanks for having me. First and foremost, pleasure to be here with uh, Bruce Fenton and Charlie Robinson and Zed, and of course the Deep Share podcast. I don't know if they all showed up yet, but uh, Bruce isn't here me. yet. Really. Bruce isn't here yet, but he'll be here soon, hopefully. But <laughs> cool. Yeah, I really feel like uh, it's an honor to be here, especially considering I'm not a UFO expert, but I do have a, a a strong opinion on it so yeah thanks for inviting me man if anybody's interested or hasn't heard uh before my show's called my family thinks i'm crazy and uh it's been getting crazier and crazier each week <laughs> yes nice. it has it's awesome man awesome and yeah i know that you're not an expert in it and i know that you do have a very particular perspective on it and uh i definitely kind of line up with a lot of what you kind of get into on the esoteric side of things. And I think we should definitely get into that later because I think the symbolism there and the research done by many people, many hardworking people in the field have kind of unveiled a lot of interesting connections between ancient symbolism and what this could all mean in a way, possibly, if it connects to the ancient idea of UFOs coming here or something like that. But we were getting into the idea of uh, discussing our opinions on Lou Elizondo in general, uh, because he has become the the front runner. If you say, you know, he's kind of become, if we take him at face value, to be the hero of the people now, is he not? He's speaking that big. The government is lying to us, and now they've erased my emails. And, you know, I don't want to go out on a limb and just immediately not trust him but as charlie said there's disinformation written all over this with his cia experience how can you turn right around so recently after working for the dod for so long yeah. and suddenly become you know this hero of the people as he seemingly is becoming well if uh oh sorry 
Okay. I was just going to say, like, the, the notion that we could all of a sudden, like, take these people who we have kept, like, that have been behind the curtain forever, and we've, like, what are they up to? What are they up to? And the notion that they would pull back the curtain and all of a sudden just reveal it all to us on CNN, on the nightly news. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the fact of the matter is I don't think we're the audience that they're trying to convince or convey. Like, it's it's my mom, right? Like, my mom <laughs> outside of I, my yeah. house right now, and she's like, I think I've been watching too much Fox News. It's like, if you've been watching Eddie, you've been watching too much. But it's like, she, you know, she's, she's telling, she's like, we were talking about, like, recent political things that are happening, and, like, she... Uh, and no disrespect to the woman, love her to death, but uh, her demographic, they they eat everything that they're fed, right? And like, mm. there's no questions asked whatsoever. So, it, but the fact matters, I think that's the vast majority of people, right? So it's kind of up to, with any, like, with anything like this, I think it's it's up to folks like us and, uh, you know, fr- more fringe communities to start to push back a little bit and ask these questions and call into questions, like, just because you sound, just because you have the resume and you have the credentials doesn't necessarily mean too much. You know, the, the idea yeah. of compartmentalization has come up a few times. And it's like, if you've worked at any big corporation, like I, I work at a big company and our marketing department is like 300 people. And like, that's just one department. And like, there's teams that are doing things that other teams have no idea about. And the person right. at the top has no idea what I'm doing day to day. And like, I refuse, and you and I have talked about this before. Like I refuse to believe that the government operates any differently. They're right. not more efficient than a corporation. They're probably much less. So, you know, the communication across departments isn't any better. So, I mean, everything that you guys are saying about, I mean, this is all that, this is all the first I'm learning about Lou Elizondo, but it, it, it makes perfect sense to me. I don't know why we would all just believe it. Well, if I could, if I could jump in very quickly, a couple things to add to what uh, all of you guys have recently said. So first off, there's a, there was a, gen, a colonel by the name of uh, Colonel Philip Corso, Philip J. Corso. He was a, uh, one of the soldiers at the time who, uh, who got hands on with the Roswell crash. And there's, we know that for a fact, because there's proof, there's pictures of him shaking hands with certain, uh, uh, with President Eisenhower and things like that. And, you know, nobody knows why and what have you. Now, he said in his book, according to some other generals too, that knew about the disclosure and what have you he said that the uh disclosure will be the cover-up and the cover-up will be the disclosure now with that being said what i took from that was disclosure is there for people that look for it however at the same time warner von braun who arguably knew everything from a to z uh with regards to extraterrestrials warner von braun who was brought over by uh from the nazis via operation paperclip he told his uh, i believe it was his niece on his deathbed he said the overarching plan not that they have a specific plan, you know, like some diabolical plan where every little event makes a, a difference. But the overarching plan was, he said, it's going to be the communists in terms of, you know, enemies of the West, so to speak. It'll be the communists. And then it's going to be terrorism, which makes sense because, you know, 9-11, what have you. And then he told his niece, it's then going to be a crazy third world countries, in this case, North Korea. I mean, that's the first thing I think of. And then he said after that will be the justification for the commercialization of space. Now, it's interesting. He said commercialization and not militarization. Because if we take a look, for example, again, not to sound like, uh, you know, a, a Hillary Clinton email thing, but if we look at the, the Podesta emails, Dr. Edgar Mitchell, I believe was the sixth man to walk on the moon, was sent an email to John Podesta saying, our friendly ETIs, and everyone is assuming that means extraterrestrial intelligence, wants to share zero point energy with us, but they will not tolerate any form of space militarization. So, I mean, I find I find it quite interesting. That's that's there in the WikiLeaks emails. It's still out there. Uh, so, 
again, it, it's, it seems like there have been different points in time where disclosure got close. And then there were certain factions that were not uh, privy to having that released. Now, to add to the final part of the compartmentalization part of it, what you said there, uh, Eric, was absolutely right. The government, in my humble opinion, is so leak prone, it's not even funny, which is why what they've done since the very beginning is they've transferred the most important stuff into the um, military industrial contracting side. So Raytheon, EGNG, Northrop Grumman, Lockheed Martin, uh, you know, Lockheed Martin even admits themselves 80% of their work is uh, covered in a program called Skunk, Skunk Works, excuse me, and that in and of itself, they say is classified. I mean, I say it on my show, at least they don't bullshit us with that. You know what I mean? So at least, <laughs> yeah. they, they, at least they tell us something there, right? But people have said former, you know, Senator Harry Reid, they've wanted to get a look into the Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, all that kind of stuff. And they've been told no. Um, one of the Joint Chiefs of Staff under Bill Clinton tried to ask the head of the CIA at the time, I want to know what you got on UFOs. The head of the CIA said, sorry, you're not on the need to know list. So what does that tell you when one of the Joint Chiefs, now maybe things have changed again, the shadow government, it's the interesting thing about those who know about the, you know, extraterrestrial technology, I find to be the case is that it's not necessarily about their ranking. It's more so how much can they be trusted? Do they have a military background? Are they, you know, is, was their father a soldier? Did, do we know the family well, meaning how well can they keep a secret? right? Um, allegedly, when they hire doctors to perform or surgeons to perform genetic experiments on these aliens, they'll pick doctors that are not the best in their field, but they'll pick doctors that are more likely to keep a secret, right? You can do all these kind of things when you when you transfer it from the government side to the privatization side, which is arguably what Gary Webb at the time under uh, who was a journalist who allegedly was murdered by the CIA for uncovering the whole Contra Iran Contra thing there. Um, he was about to disclose allegedly that the CIA needed the drug money to funnel a lot of the, the secret uh, extraterrestrial programs because you can take, and which they have, you can take trillions from the Pentagon, but eventually people are going to start asking questions because it's, it's taxpayers' money, right? So how do you fund something that you can't trace at all that's not even existent on paper? You, you funnel, you, you say, for example, to the, the cartels because the CIA, not too many people know, has their own version of what the DEA does. Why do they have their own version of that when the DEA does that by definition, right? And so what, from my understanding, the way it goes is, look, okay, every handful of months or weeks, we'll, we'll seize X amount of shipments of drugs because El Chapo's in jail, but his boss isn't, right? So we'll seize X amount of shipments, make it look like we're, we're being proactive, we're doing something. But on the side, you give us X amount of whatever every month in cash, and that's what keeps funneling it. So sorry for the rant, but that's, that's oh, no. those are my thoughts. That's great. That's great. Uh, well, it, no, it, let me jump in because when you when sure. you said the privatization, it made me think of the um, the story that I have in my octopus book about Ben Rich, the the head of Lockheed Skunk Works, and he's given yeah. a presentation at UCLA in 1994. There's some people in the audience. Jan Harzen's one of them. Who later he's an engineer at the time. Later goes on to become the head of MUFON, but. But at the time he wasn't, he was just a student. And um, Ben Rich says during his presentation, we have the technology to take ET home and it won't take us a lifetime to do it. And so, which is a hell of a statement, I would think everyone would agree. And, and so Ian Harzen follows him out to the parking lot and says, I have a, a follow-up question about the propulsion uh, me method that they're using. How does it work? And Ben Rich flips the and asks him a question. He says, well, let me ask you this. Um, do you know how ESP works? 
And Jan Horsen goes, I don't know, all points in time and space are connected. And he said, that's how it works. <laughs> and walked off and he mm. wound up, he, he died a year later. I don't think of like mysterious circumstances or anything. But the point is that that is Lockheed Martin Skunk Works, a secret division. I mean, it's, 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 it's publicly known. I mean, they run out of Vandenberg Air Force Base and places like this. I mean, they're, they're, they're an appendage of the government. They're still private, but it, it gets yeah. a bit murky. And that's a guy that would know. I mean, that's a guy that, that you talk about, like knowing where the bodies are buried or where the ETs are. That's the guy uh, that would know. And for him mm -hmm. to say that maybe... I don't know. Is it a moment of weakness? Was it, you know, I'm old, I'm getting towards the end of my life. Was it, I'll give a little nod to these guys here, at UCLA, maybe that, you know, I don't know. But, mm. but if he knows about that and if he's correct in, in, in his assessment of that, and I have every reason to think that he, he would know, I don't know that he's necessarily being a hundred percent truthful, but, but that's a really alarming statement to say. Yeah. And that, that's something and that was 1994. Okay. So yep. let's let's just say we're almost three decades past that. And so we're talking about technology that's been around for a long, long time. And it's reasonable to think that if that guy knows about, you know, if he knows about how the how the the propulsion method works. And this is, of course, the company that's rumored to be building the TR3Bs, the big flying triangles that people yeah. have been seeing for a long, long time. Um, I mean, think about that. If you saw, if you saw a stealth bomber, which I have, which I've had one fly over me, over, you know, you're just like, oh my God, it's amazing. If you saw that in 1985, that's mm. a UFO. I mean, yeah. 100% that's a UFO, right? right? right. So yeah. if you saw a TR3B now, which is, you know, I mean, you people can look it up. It's a thing. Um, that's a UFO as well, right? But it's probably, I mean, it's ours. So well, yeah, I mean, we saw it just a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was, even, that was it, one of the leaks. <laughs> even the, uh, the 1977 or 76 Tehran incident, there's clear pictures of it. I mean, they've been, they've had that for a while. Absolutely. Yeah. And I was referring to these very, very recent leaks, the uh, night vision leak that was all over the news. The guy, oh, on, uh, yeah. And Mick West, of course, has been tearing it apart. He's like, he even suggested that the blinking lights that are clearly visible uh, match up with like, uh, you know, airport regulation blinking lights or something like that. So that's very curious, too. <laughs> uh, anybody want to jump in? <laughs> well, I would add that, you know, it's not historically uh, knew that aliens and government are adjacent. Uh, one of the first recorded UFO sightings was in 329 BCE, and it was when Alexander the Great was invading uh, the city Tyre, and they actually called them like these flying shields, and it drove a hole right through this wall and allowed Alexander's forces to get uh, into this fortress that they were trying to fight and they were victorious and apparently these lights the shield was seen in the sky for uh days before and days after the battle but you know there's countless stories in the bible there's stories from egypt i mean it seems to me like if these entities are out there they've been making kind of pacts with the rulers and shakers movers and shakers since you know, yeah. Beginning. Yeah, that's kind of what I wanted to 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 touch on here because you know my feeling about this upcoming disclosure uh, is that it is a symptom of what 
you see these people always do. I don't know about you guys, but when I look at all throughout history, you see a sort of theme going on where whenever there's something true and meaningful to us happening, they will mimic it and they will do something very similar and put it out and push it, push it, push it, but it will have no humanity in it or no, I don't know, art in it per se. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's reminiscent of all the ancient uh, descriptions of a devil character where they have no creativity. They have to latch on to us. And, you know, a great example of that is like the music industry. I mean, they just latch on to these artists. They ruin these people's lives. They become completely insane or kill themselves. You know what I mean? Mm. So this hold over humanity, it's like they can't do it themselves. It's always a mimicry. It's always a mockery of something pure and something good. And I, I don't know, I just, I'm not sure if that's really a question for anybody, but just to, kind of to throw it out there into another level of this, where the deception that we're talking about, it's not necessarily some American corruption kind of thing. It right. stretch, it seems to stretch far further back. I mean, I, people, I've had people like Clint Richardson on my podcast, if you guys are familiar with Clint mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, ag agree with all of his points are not about the artificial person and this and that he has a lot of history there in his research and the maxims of our laws are talked about and how all of this goes way back, way further than America to the point where America is clearly some kind of Petri dish, you know, uh, experiment in some way. And I wonder how that ties into this surface level disclosure that's supposedly going to be happening. And uh yeah, go ahead. I just wanted to say, I, I think there's a little bit, again, this is when it might sound a little bit far-fetched, but when, when it's broken down to the point of incremental steps, it doesn't really seem as out there. So with regards to what you're saying there about how they mimic things in the total opposite way of what one would perceive. It's an it inversion. Be, yeah, it's an inversion or a, uh, yeah, a perversion of some type of positive message. It reminds me very much of the, again, we can cite any culture, religion, you name it, but I'll just use, for example, the hermetic principle which is you know as as above so below or I again the, the the yin and the yang right which we can argue is the same concept of what these extraterrestrials have allegedly said uh, about you know the creation of the universe when there is nothing by definition there must be something right so it's that mm. that inversion as you were saying now I think ultimately when it comes to that, there is a handful of symbolism that is put in there I also think that with regards to mainstream culture I think the I think the shift of mass consciousness in terms of getting a large majority of people to focus on something for prolonged periods of time emits a sort of frequential energy that directs, if you will, a, um, a, a more than likely outcome of what you could say these elites would want us to, to, to head down. Not that it would guarantee the outcome they want, but it would put us and them in that direction. Now, again, this is when I mean it's a little bit for people who aren't into this as much, you know, we could say humans are, are working with or taking orders from extraterrestrials because in 1954, when President Eisenhower allegedly at Edwards Air Force Base signed the Griotta Treaty with a handful of different extraterrestrial species, obviously they didn't, I mean, as humans in general, you can't really blame anyone. They didn't know what they were getting themselves into. 
because he had felt if that agreement wasn't signed, he was more concerned about the roughly 1 million abductions every year that the military was tracking. He felt if there was no agreement that was signed or no deal was made, then they still would have been abducting people anyways, right? So he kind of felt put in a corner. With that being said, he seemed to have made alignments with extraterrestrials that I don't want to use the word we're bad, but had negative intentions towards what their goal was for on this planet. And the reason for that was because he was allegedly pressured by the military industrial complex to say, listen, the, the, there's certain species that are saying we want to help humans increase their their vibration, spirituality, their perception and understanding. But then there's also another set of aliens, which were the, the uh, a certain faction of the smaller gray aliens that were like, no, 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 forget that stuff. Let's exchange technology. So right. I so I think the military industrial complex pressured Eisenhower to go with the ones that were going to give the technology a lot quicker. Right. And again, at the time, maybe spirituality was taken seriously. Maybe it wasn't. We're seeing now, for example, pyramids outside or on the surface of, uh, you know, classified uh, military grounds, Area 51, Los Alamos, things like that. So what I say is if esotericism and this symbolism and this sort of insertion and inversion into society and culture, if it's a joke, as people say, and if it's not part of a grand intelligence operation or multiple op operations, then how come they're building these same geometrically structured symbols on mili on classified military bases there i'm not saying that you know uh, i'm i'm correct 100% i could be very wrong but i mean the the evidence the the evidence is there right but you know there's a difference between evidence and proof right evidence means we're we're uh, there's um there are signs to suggest and it will lead to a probable cause of a conclusion proof is like no we we have it right in front of our face it's undeniable so you know i, I could be wrong but that's my perspective on the the concept of symbolism and how it's being put everywhere. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think it's really interesting. Like, we've got to a point where obviously there's been a lot of data gathered. Like, like to your point, Dave. Like, there's a lot of stuff that's out there that people have collected that they're putting together and they're connecting dots and stuff. And uh, I happen to believe that the government, you know, if if you know, if not somewhat inept in a lot of their their doings, they are intentional. So, yes. like, why now? Why now? Like, right. The, also, all this, all this information is out there, but this whole, the, this whole idea of disclosure, like, why is it important for people to be having these conversations and to be thinking about this stuff now? Mm. That that's, yeah. yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I think there's a lot of different angles out there and especially in our community at large of, you know, kind of questioning everything there's a lot to say on that and it can go off in a million different directions you know what i mean uh, it's hard to i i mean if i could if i could say quickly i think it's a handful of different things like i said i don't think it's as ebb and flow or as smooth as people would want it to seem in terms of you know there's just a big group with a big plan i think there's it's more like smaller groups with the overall plan but they all disagree on the timing of such disclosure if you will um but I, I i do think right now it's leaning towards disclosure because it's just it's so far out there in the mainstream media to, to suddenly reverse course what i i would think at least i could be wrong but to reverse course would seem would probably be the evidence in and of itself right so to go back i think would would be shooting themselves in the foot if you will but why now is hard to say there are some saying that um you know some argue that it has to do with terraforming the earth to preserve certain aspects of the planet but that cannot be done unless 
extraterrestrials are revealed. There, there's a ton of different theories, right? Some say it's to distract from COVID. Others say it's the opposite way around. Uh, you know, many different things. But I, I also think at the same time, too, it would be naive of us to think that it, they, they would just keep denying it for another, I mean, 30, 40, 50 years, because people, yeah. there's thousands, tens of thousands of just people with their cell phones recording cigar-shaped UFOs, different shapes all, of all kinds um, all the time. So I think it would be, it would be, people would laugh at that, too, if they, if they said, you know, the CIA or the Pentagon said, no, we don't, sorry, there's nothing this whole yeah, time, right? It's strange because, like, you're right. It doesn't make any sense to backpedal at this point, especially because it does seem like the sightings are literally coming out of the woodwork. They're everywhere. Well, it's, but, it's just probability, right? Like you run right. the numbers and it's like, okay, you're telling me all, all this footage is faked every single one. <laughs> right. I mean, I'm sure some of it is, I'm sure, but <laughs> yeah, sorry, no, you, I, you were saying. No, it's okay. Um, just the fact that like Lou Elizondo is, is kind of doing that as this quote unquote hero of the people kind of, fighting back against his own department now and kind of buttering us up to changing his message now over the past few weeks to saying the report's probably going to be a dud. Suddenly his, you know, he's talking less about the report being a positive thing. And he's, you know, basically buttering us up and saying, yeah, sorry guys, you know, I'm on your side. You know, I really wanted this too, but it looks like uh, they got us again. You know he, what I mean? I, I feel like he knows certain he knows more than the public, but if he said it publicly, he would he would get disappeared at some point. I feel like he's <laughs> yeah. I, I get I could be very wrong here. I get the vibe like um, I have a hard time understanding why he's still breathing, honestly. Well, see, that's the thing, too. <laughs> I, I I think it's really circumstantial in terms of who they choose. They, they need to silence and who they just, you know, they could ridicule instead. Right. Yeah. Fair right. enough. But if you <laughs> notice, Tom DeLong has disappeared. Yeah. yeah. They're yeah. done with him. He's been discarded. And, um, you know, to me, my my assumption, it's just an assumption, is that it seems to me like somebody or something is making a push to go public with this. And so mm. the CIA is saying, all right, look, let's get out in front of it. Let's control right. the narrative. Let's, let's send our guys out there. Let's start talking about it. If it's coming out, then it's coming out. But let's at least try and get our hands around it so that we can divert it so we can make it a limited hangout. We'll give you some information that people would probably figure out anyway, but not the good stuff. And that's, that's what I see. Because when a guy like Lou Elizondo comes out and says, they, they've, the government is against me now. They're, they've, they've deleted my emails. Or Dude, you are the government. Yeah. <laughs> Stop. I <know> <laughs> Stop with the lies. Stop. Oh, they're out, out to get me. If they were out to get you, you'd have been gotten by now. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's they know where even you before are. he said anything at all, before he was even a public figure. Yeah. I, you know, and, and all, I constant, I constantly stand by that in, in general. If they want you, they got you, not just with aliens, but with everything. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Eric, you were going to, oh. I was just going to say, yeah, once the interview was booked, like in his name was written down somewhere with a topic in mind, it would have been, it would have been all over. Yeah. And that's the biggest problem now. And, and maybe I'm picking two too closely at just people trying to make money because there's a lot of people that I really used to to depend on for information in the UFO community right. and I was never directly in the UFO community I was always in this weird psychedelic middle where I was recognizing the UFO situation in my life and in the world but over here I was in the ninth dimension most of the time trying to figure out what was going on inside here with all of these aliens and <laughs> yeah kind of trying to map those connections from my 
you know, internal to the external with the writings of Terrence McKenna and, you know, relating DMT experience to the alien encounter experience as above, so below, you know what I mean? Is this possibly, this is going to, I'm going to take it in a different direction. Uh, what if the real truth of disclosure would be something to say spiritual that they would be completely giving up the ghost of some kind. Like, I mean, I feel as though if it's yep. technology, yeah. it's, it's sure, let it out. It's your technology. It's here or whatever. But if it's not, I, I don't know what to make. Of well, that. you know what if, I mean? If I could say very quickly as well too, what I found interesting to add to what you just said there, uh, brother, is that, um, when jo former head of the DNI, John Radcliffe under Trump said that they wanted to bring the UFO report out under the Trump administration, but they simply didn't have the time because they had to watch the wording of certain instances and they had to still choose what should we redact, what should we reveal to the public. What I found most peculiar was a couple of things. So first off, when he said that it's difficult to explain in this report, like it, it's it's hard to explain to the public certain things in the report. A few things struck my mind. First off, it's okay. If it's classified, you know, a human military weaponry that they just don't want to show that these craft may have interacted with, then I understand why they're having some difficulty. But I also think at the same time, to me, it's very simple. They're either from outer space, from, if you will, underground, a hollow earth theory, if you want to call it, or from another dimension, or they're from, or it's an adversary of ours. Very simple. That to me, it's very simple in that regard. Um, but I think what you're saying that the fact that some of their some of these species craft as there's there's been tons of footage on it uh, actually can shape shift or uh, the material is made to actually change shapes, if you will, um, based like while it's flying while it's moving and all that based uh, telepathically because some of these aliens skins because some of them are, are allegedly uh, artificial intelligence or uh, robots, if you will, their skin and their, their body is comprised of the same material and elements as as the craft, which is why sometimes we'll see footage of a craft going from a disc shape to a U shape or the cigar shaped craft. They get longer then they get shorter. So it's that's the other thing, too. I think it's the again, we saw the footage of the trans the alleged trans medium UFO the other uh, the other week. Right. People mm -hmm. are refused to believe that. And I'm not saying you should believe it blindly. But let's let's weigh the num let's weigh the odds here, right? Yeah, it does seem like there's a parallel between ah, oh, that's bullshit. That's just you know you know people like Mick West kind of ripping things apart uh, yeah. systematically. But then there's this other side to things where I mean I research a lot of people. I have uh, Freddie Silva from Gaia coming on in a couple of days to talk about living temples and how to build you know pyramidal structures in my backyard to for you know energy purposes and things like that it seems that there's a long tradition of what we see from ufos parallels this very ancient tradition of alchemy and magic and and things mm. like that in the hermetic traditions and things like that so that i don't know that's pretty interesting yeah i mean Anybody got I, anything? I have a i mean like the, the whole idea of like this, this being all about some technology that needs to be revealed is really hard for me because like, I feel like they're, you know, by, by their nature, they want to keep things secret, right? Obviously that's what they've been doing forever. So why would they shift course now? And if they, I, I have a hard time revealing any sort of extraterrestrial involvement in anything being technology driven because they, we have people like Elon Musk, they could just blame it on. 
right now. I don't know if he's sufficiently trustworthy enough at this point in time, but like, I think that anything technology wise, they could just, they, like they have an out. Right. So I, I happen, I, I feel like it is more of like, I mean, spiritual, spiritually driven or, you know, like hearkening back to all to like the symbolism and the, you know, the, I don't know, man. It's, I just, I think that I feel like it's something higher than that, but that like they're put mm-hmm. like people are being put in a place where they're like, all right, some, this something is going to get out there. And like, like, uh, like you mentioned, like, I think we need to get ahead of it, but I don't know mm-hmm. that it's technology. Obviously I don't know at all, but I have that. No, that's a good point. I, 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 I see where you're coming from. I know exactly what you're saying. Mark, you wanted to jump in? Yeah. I was going to say this, um, control structure that we're living under we're making the connections between the powers that be and these alien interdimensional beings i think like i said previously this connection's been there for thousands of years Um, but not just where empire is concerned i mean if you look at indigenous cultures there's plenty of examples of tribes from unassociated geographical places right the dogon mm. people the uh Widjidiri people of australia you know these are people who have intimate knowledge of where certain stars are that aren't visible to the naked eye which tells us that there's an ancient intergalactic relationship there personally i don't believe uh that we've been to space, you know, after reviewing everything with NASA and all that. So I just, I'm not completely knowledgeable enough to defend that assertion, (laughs) but that's just my instinct tells me like, don't trust NASA. Don't trust the fact that we've been to space. So where does that leave me? It leaves me with the Mm. only perspective I have, which is the world around me and, you know, my dreams and, and the psychedelic moments I've had. And I do truly believe that we're all energy. So these beings are most likely like you guys are all kind of cluing in on is they're, they're interdimensional, they're energetic of some kind. So exposing the truth of them inherently destroys this, you know, foundation that the control matrix is built upon you know it it all rests upon keeping us ignorant of who we are why we're here and what you know where we're going what what the Mm. goal of all this is and those are profoundly spiritual questions and that's why every time you look deep enough at religion you find that empire institution comes and it dogmatizes it right but you, you still have many many cases of people who live within the biorhythmic nature of the universe. And if you go even deeper, there's plenty of examples of contact between entities and human beings where the entities are explaining to them, hey, you need to be in harmony with nature. You need to be in harmony with your environment. Like, look at what's happening on the planet. And this all brings to mind this book by uh, Jose Argales called Time and the Technosphere, The Law of Time and Human Affairs. I've been talking about a little bit on podcasts I've been doing lately, but it's a profound book. And the way he explains it is that we're living in a biosphere, new sphere, right? New sphere, meaning mind kind of sphere. And in between those two spheres is this technosphere that we've artificially created. And I think that the reason why these interdimensional beings have advanced technology isn't 
because they're like, you know, ahead of us or anything like that, or they had a head start, you know, it's because they live in harmony with who they are as spiritual beings. And from that point, you can gain a lot more progress technologically because you're working in harmony with the way the world is. I think human beings for the past however many thousand years, we haven't been living in harmony. Our technology is based around uh, taking things and yeah. you know yeah. owning things and controlling things, re-appropriating um, the biological means of production towards an industrial one a man-made one an artificial one right down to the calendar system that we're living <laughs> in so we don't even understand time well enough that's why when these space crafts if we want to call them that fly through the air and split second it's like you know we're so slowed down in this artificial time matrix we don't even really understand time itself you know so mm. even these mm -hmm. these beings flying around are hard to understand from this limited perspective so but it's important to remember that they've been here just as long as we have you know this this government you know rollout like oh thank you so much for finally letting us know as if we can figure it out on our own you know like fuck you these fucking sticks with their ties and all this bullshit it's like they're just trying to get more money into these black budget funds you know Absolutely. and all especially with the privatized um space force that we have now you know yeah. and and before trump it was all about uh, disclosure if Hillary got in there the, the rumors of that were there and then you saw Trump make space force and now you see I personally I think it's just the agenda is happening without the political people I, it's all going on in this corporate control sphere that's above what we see and who we see in the media and in the traditional political establishment if I could say super quick, I you nailed it on the head there, brother. I, I mean, personally, I agree with you. And I also think that when we look at stuff like that, it's 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 that's exactly what it is. The spiritual nature of things. Yeah. Is there any part of our current society that makes anybody think that we've evolved to a point where now they're going to give us the technology like we're <laughs> we are the least trustworthy people? Yeah. currently in this society we we just destroy everything like like agent smith said in the matrix we're we're virus virus the way we yeah. the way we behave if ever there was a, a group of people to not give this amazing technology to it would be us currently that whole, yeah. that whole we're idea we're, of us getting technology i'm sorry to cut you off charlie but the yeah. whole idea of getting technology from someone else as if it's, we as human beings are so disempowered that we, we can't do it ourselves men to come and <laughs> save us from another planet you know that's right. the that's the real hint when you realize the wording the psychological wording on that narrative that they're pushing out you realize, oh, this is coming from a point of lack. This is yeah. creating a feeling of yes. disempowerment. That's indicate indicative of the control structure, right? That's the psychological control control structure that we're living in. Because it's not physical. You could right. go out right now and do whatever you want. No one can stop. Right. It's psychological. So when you look at this agenda, Project Bluebeam or whatever name it's going to go by in the future, or whoever's going to take its, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. all right, get up on the soapbox, whether it's Alizondo or whoever, it was Bob Lazar a couple of years ago, Tom Lazar, right. 
or Tom yeah. Long, you know? So, yeah, see, that's just, how far, far behind they are with trying to relate to us artistically, creatively. They thought we all still listened to Blink-182. Yeah. <laughs> that's, some of us, some of us well, did. Okay, yeah, okay, fair enough. <laughs> well, I just wanted to say quickly, Mark, uh, I think with regards to what you said about Space Force, I think that's a great example. I, I, I agree with you fully. I bring that up on my show all the time. In this particular case, I think Space Force would have been implemented regardless of who was president. I think yes. that part of the military industrial complex agenda, if you will, the, the intelligence community partnered with certain uh, private corporations. I think that is the uh, where a lot of the, the power really lies. That's a good point. And I feel that when they do, you know, if they do disclose anything, there will always be a slant to it that yeah. we are, it's a perceived threat because yeah. they've got to use the threat component to justify spending money on these certain things yeah. now whether or not it actually goes towards any of this stuff is debatable but but the idea is that it's always a threat it's the terrorists they're going to come get it it's an yeah. invisible terrorist it's invisible virus it's invisible alien whatever it is give me more money to solve the problem um, yeah. we've got if we don't have more money we're all going to die you don't want to kill grandma, right? So let's just vote for for you know six trillion dollars. Biden's given away. Well, that's not nearly enough. We're going to need sixty trillion dollars for this. Mm, and if you don't yeah. agree to it, then then clearly you want to be on in some sort of like enslavement camp by these aliens that are going to come terraform this planet and put you to work uh, mining gold in some South African mine so that they can take it back to their home planet. I mean, it's, it's, it's <laughs> all going to, you can just see the agenda in the fear, you know, being, being sort of slowly dripped out a little bit here, a little bit there until it's normalized. And then they ramp it up because that's what the media does. That's what they do. They, they keep you scared. And in a low vibrational state, so that you're you're not thinking clearly, you're operating from like a fight or flight mentality. And they say, "Well, what are you going to do? We're, you can't run. Yeah. So you got to fight. We've got to fight them. We're, unless you th you want to get an Elon Musk magic uh, um, ride one way trip to Mars, we're going to have to fight them. And if we're going to fight them, who better than the military? And we're going to need all your money. Right. Absolutely. And that's another good parallel to to uh, some of the ancient stories, because the, the, the Sumerian, as far back as, as Mesopotamia, you have the Anunnaki. That's like the beginning of the ancient alien theory, basically. And they came to this planet, right? And the story goes that the work was too hard. The work was mm -hmm. so hard. They just, they just couldn't. So they had to create something else to do it for them. So whenever we're always wondering, like, why wouldn't they just kill us all? They need us so badly right. to be sold on every project that comes down the line. And it just seems it, like a repeating story over and over again throughout our history. Well, right. When are we going to stop letting it be written over and over again? Who, who, who's there to sell it to, right? If there's no, if there's no masses to, to sell it to. But I mean, to add to what, um, to what both Mark and, uh, and, and Charlie were saying uh, regarding um, the, the overall agenda, 
it's it's convenient how the the media picks and chooses things and that's we all know here that's pretty obvious but what i'm referring to specifically is uh something called operation high jump and i find it interesting too because that was kind of slipped into the opening credits of godzilla versus king kong with the whole hollow earth theory um operation high jump uh, started shortly after world war ii it was headed by at the time one of the most respected um admirals at the time admiral richard e bird and he at the time they partnered with Warner Brothers uh, to basically make a, a documentary or film. Again, this was I would argue somewhat when the government still had to justify to the American people where their money was going. Right, so they had to make this film to say, "Listen, we're going to put a good chunk of your tax dollars towards uh, looking into Antarctica." They go there, right, and then there's nothing that comes reported after that. Now, after he died, Admiral Byrd's journal came out, and you can find the English version of that book, but I recommend. Uh, the European one because it's got it's completely unredacted the English one has missing pages interestingly enough but he said the the one part of it was he said he found an underground civilization uh he actually his description of it was very similar to the way hollow earth in Godzilla versus King Kong the film works but he said also more importantly what stuck out to me was he goes if there's ever going to be another war he goes we have to watch the polls because there will be craft coming from the polls now what I find interesting is that that's all on record that's not a conspiracy that's not well you know maybe he said wrote this maybe he didn't his family's got the journal his estate confirmed it the whole thing now the media you know uh, the government doesn't pick up on it but they're the same type of government and media to say assuming when dis when disclosure happens if it does well what do you mean it's been there the whole time D didn't you see admiral bird's journal like that's the same type of media to say you know what i mean but all these so the same guy who the american government trusted granted many years ago but trusted to go investigate antarctica is, so we can believe him on that, but we can't believe him when he says, you know, there's a, a, an under, a underground world, if you will, with different beings, some humans, some not, with very advanced technologies. He said some of them were breakaway human civilizations from many thousands of years ago that went underground due to natural, natural catastrophes and never came back up, if you will. So, Which, I, sorry? Go ahead, go ahead, Dave. Uh, well, I was going to say that's also kind of, what I was thinking when uh, former DNI John Radcliffe had said, uh, you know, there's certain things that are hard to explain. One of the things that came to my mind was with the UFO report, what may be difficult to explain is that some, not all, but some of these craft are coming from underground right now. Okay, fine. We could say military underground bases, but what I'm, I, what I was thinking he was referring to was, you know, more long-term long-standing extraterrestrial, uh, you know, uh, created bases, if you will. So, but again, that was just a hope of mine that obviously wasn't going to come to fruition. So and again, I know I keep hearkening back to our ancient past and I'm, uh, I, it's another parallel right there that you mentioned, um, with the Mayans, because the Mayans say that their gods came and rescued them and took them back underground with them. And that's where mm -hmm. they are. So, and it's, and it just, right. it's it like seems a magician, but they yeah. say, look up. With this hand, uh, yeah, I start yeah. thinking, look down. You know what I mean? And it, right. it might be, yeah, exactly. It, you know, in the poles, you do have the poles, or you're not allowed to fly over them. Correct? Antarctic right. Treaty. Yep. Right, Antarctic Treaty, and and um, and we know that we have some sort of esoteric connection with the poles of of Saturn. 
as well. Right. Yeah. So there's something about that and the, you know, there's something about the poles that have an importance. Obviously, they're I mean from an electromagnetic component. We right. we know that. We know that poles move a little bit. We have the, the concept of pole shifts. So it's 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 I mean, it's it's reasonable to dig into this and as you know under the umbrella of we're talking about UFOs. So we'll just say it's it's as reasonable, you know, if you're talking about UFOs, it this is a concept that you should that most definitely should be thrown into the mix is, is it possible that they're coming from the other direction down instead right. of up? Right. And it almost seems, well, I don't know. Does it seem more frightening or more comforting to us to, to maybe come to the conclusion that whatever it is, whatever the phenomenon is, as it's so perfectly been, you know, trademarked and worded for all of us, the phenomenon, <laughs> uh, you know, is it more comforting or more frightening to think of it as part of our system, part of our home? We just love an enemy, though, right? <laughs> we just love the other, right? But if it's right. if the other is already here, like you know, the 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 murder, the killers in the house, right? Like that's a well, trope. Well, this is the other thing too. When uh, again, I know he's controversial, but the people he brought with him back in 2001 weren't, with regards to their credibility. Stephen Greer in 2001, if I'm not mistaken, held the National Press Club event, attempting for disclosure with a ton of former, uh, you know, Lockheed Martin, Raytheon engineers, uh, especially military um, uh, colonels, admirals, and all that. One of them said something quite interesting, which is that at the time they had cataloged from that particular admiral's understanding. 57 different species of extraterrestrials, some from underground, some from outer space, but those 57 were just the ones that look like us. He said in terms with regards to you could be walking down and you could be in a mall, you wouldn't be able to tell. Uh, but he said their senses were heightened, which is that they were physically stronger than us. They could see in the dark. They had telepathy for communication, things like this. But what's interesting is, again, we're talking 20 years ago now, 57, at least that he knew of category species that ju look just like us. So I think what's even scarier is that a lot of them, well, scarier to those that won't accept it, you know, over time that they're, they're probably walking amongst us. I mean, you know, we can argue strongly that people have had interactions without even knowing, right? Now, that those are the humanoid ones, right? I mean, uh, the one, the human-looking ones. That doesn't include the alleged insectoids, the gray, the small grays, the tall grays, all that. But does it include Henry Kissinger? <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> he he might be the fifty-eighth. <laughs> he he's interesting. Yeah, that that's 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 for that's for certain. <laughs> Henry Kissinger, that guy, man. Oh, man. The so fattest 96 year old I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Hey, so um, I know we've been going for a while, but we um, we have a latecomer. Uh, if you guys are familiar with author Bruce Fenton, author of Exogenesis, he's joining us now. Bruce, how you doing, man? Can you hear us? Don't. Oh, hey, Bruce, how's it going, man? Hi, I'm good. Sorry to run late. How you doing? Oh, no problem at all. Bruce, I'm Andrew. Deep share right here. We've got Dave from the Generation Z podcast. We got Charlie from Macroaggressions. We have Eric Stone and we have Mark from the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. Welcome to the show. How's Thank it going, you. man? <laughs> yeah, pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. I've had a, well, so busy day. Did a spot on a conference earlier on, did an hour's talk for just a small online conference. But yeah, no, it's interesting. Listen to a few other people's talks, you know, all kind of weird subjects, weird and wonderful. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. No, it was interesting. 
well, that's going on here too. <laughs> We're going from well, the political is- to the exopolitics to way far off. So <laughs> we've, uh, we've actually started, I'd love your opinion on this. Uh, we've started off really by digging into our opinions on Lou Elizondo and mm-hmm. uh, his his coming out into the public and now his position against his own department and things like that. I'd love to get yeah. your take on what you're seeing in, in this, uh, you know, amazing parade that's happening in front of us. Yeah, no, I've been having a chat to someone today about that. I don't want to name names, but talking to somebody that's kind of interacted with him. Um, and yeah, no, we're definitely kind of on the, the very suspicious camp. I mean, look, if I had somebody, uh, if I was in that world, you know, in town, I had somebody that was going to run a PSYOP or something like that, then, you know, if, if people were suspicious of them, one way you might cover that, of course, is is faking a war with them. You know, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you say, look, they're picking up the, the Pentagon are picking on you. The DOD are picking. That, that's going to build the credibility for someone. Right. If they're actually you know, an agent for an agenda. Uh, it doesn't hurt to make it look as if the fact that they're kind of being persecuted, right? Right. So I find that in itself quite suspicious, really. I mean, it's you'd think if anything, they would quietly leave the person just to get on with what they're doing, right? You know, why why feed into it by making a, a kind of a conflict with them, deleting their emails? It, it just doesn't seem to be an organization that would normally give no comment and just not do anything and ignore all that kind of stuff, right? Right, right. It does seem it seems like across the board here, we all feel that way. So yeah. the question is, I mean, what's your take on this disclosure? What do you think might be coming versus what is at least going to be sold to us? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we can't, I'm not sure that you guys have already probably touched on this, but you can't really disassociate this from the global events that are unfolding. You know, right. we have mm-hmm. obviously we've seen the media has become just uh, just ridiculous the mainstream media become absolutely ridiculous just a propaganda mouthpiece for not just the corporate interests you know intel interests political interests i mean i think there's i don't know if it's half the people but let's say at least a quarter of people now see the mainstream media as completely sold out and we had protests in london where there was hundreds of thousands of people you know marching and they actually were outside the bbc studios shouting at the bbc and it wasn't in the news. It wasn't in the BBC news. So, I mean, it gets to the point where it's almost, you know, it is a farce. You know, it's like you say, you know, the, the revolution will not be televised. It's, you know, that is absolutely 100% true. The, the people outside their offices and it didn't feature on the news. So, and we, we've seen now the level of control on the information for our mainstream media is absurd. So why are we beginning giving UFOs front and center, right? You right. Know, we can't even get a protest of hundreds of thousands of people on the news. How can we get hmm. UFO disclosure on the news? It just that does not sit right with any critically thinking person, right? So we've seen the, the media become just transparently controlled. Um, so why why are we being given this? You know, um, I think most people can recognize that. You know, I think people have you know at this point you know, they've seen the absurdity of the kind of the, the the Trump theater show that we had for months and months or years really. We had all that, you know, we've had um, you know, all sorts of scams and things that haven't been covered properly by the news, you know, the Epstein stuff, you know, if, if people aren't going to wake up to the way the media functions now, if, you know, if not now, when, because it has become a caricature of itself. Um, so I, I think we can say that the fact that the UFOs are being so prominently featured really supports the idea that those who run the media 
are definitely on board with whatever it is it's happening. You know, the question is, of course, as you say, what, what is it exactly they want from us? And that's the real mystery is to just to clarify the exact gains. And I think there's a few possibilities, um, but I, mean, I won't say we, you know, I know what they're doing, but mm. we can certainly see that, you know, if you're going to reshape society in the way that has happened in the last year, at some point you want to bring it back together into a kind of a new world order, right? Um, and we've seen you know, the whole Reagan speech, you know, that if only there was some outside threat, yeah. right, bring us all back together again at the end. I mean, there's not much else that can bring us back together at the end of you know, all this chaos. I mean, we've seen the fractures in identity politics, you know, we've seen the fractures in you know, left-right politics, you know, at an absurd level now. Um, you know, we've seen it across the board. There's so many topics right now where it's fractured, you know, open hostility. How are they really going to bring us all back together at the end of the auto abkeo process, you know, bringing the order out of this chaos? How does it end up with a one world together again? Only thing I can think of is bringing the aliens, right? Wheel them out and say, you know, there's an ex even external threat, or you create a worldview in which we are no longer uh, the only planet. Because then you say, well, look, you know, we are a one race or a one planet in a system of other intelligent worlds or dimensions. But, you know, you can see there's not much else, I think, at this point that could, in their minds, bring us back together. Well said. Well said. That, yeah, that's thank you for that, because that, that's now, very well said. Yeah. My, my question, thank though, you. is when were we when were we ever together, Bruce? I mean, I don't I don't know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a, a world one. where things were ever, you know, great. at least there's a there's a there's a. Uh, a myth that we were the uh, the Eleusinian mysteries and you know to that me, kind of thing. It seems to me a more proper way to describe it is that we've been in a two thousand year decline. And mm. personally, I think human origins, everything I've learned about where we possibly come from, we fell from grace. Right. That's the. Mm -hmm. the best way to sum it up so bruce what are your thoughts on that do you think that uh there are actually alien beings out there who might be looking for our best interests in mind because that's some of the the rumors i've heard and that's mm -hmm. been kind of the myth going back thousands of years too yeah. you have all these different cases like fatima and all these mm. beings that appear to people, channeled beings. You have the whole Urantia book that was written uh, allegedly <laughs> through, you know, a channeled alien being. So what are your thoughts on the potential that there are actually good, benevolent alien beings out there, Bruce? Yeah, I mean, like, again, I would use aliens as a catch-all, right? And put in there um, interdimensional beings, um, you know, extraterrestrial beings, extraterrestrial beings, you know, throwing the crypto-terrestrials. If we put all of those kind of together and being alien to us, right? You know, that there's intelligences that are alien to us, wherever they originate. Um, if we look through history, there's, you know, certainly a theme that we have a contact ongoing with different kinds of alien intelligence that in many cases seem to have a benevolent shepherding influence on us. You know, even if it's the, the guy in meditation or whatever, you know, that says he's in contact with something and it tells them, you know, you can do this, you can construct this, or you, know, you can write or you can use maths. And it seems that, you know, there's these claims that these gods, these beings, you know, they've taught us how to plant, you know, they've taught us the sciences, they've taught us how to write. I mean, so I was, I mean, there's arguments to saying that some of that may not be in our best interest. And I totally can understand that as well, but it does seem that at least some of these 
are given to us in a way to further us along as a species to develop. So I, I think that, you know, I don't know if they're necessarily the physical ones. I mean, in many of these cases, it seems like people get in, divinely inspired, you know, where they say they had an otherworldly contact with something which may be in their inner space um, that, that seems to be a discarnate intelligence, you know, but has given them information. So I do believe that we have helpful spirits and helpful beings, you know, helpful aliens in this story that seem to intermittently, you know, contact somebody and give them something useful amongst all the noise of people getting contact experiences that really don't add anything or even seem to derail, you know, people and civilizations. So I, I think we've got a mix. Of, you know, I generally think we have real intelligences that are separate from us and that do interact with us wherever they are originating. And I, I think the question of where they originate is really complex. And I don't know if we can really resolve that because they can seem to come from outer space, but they could equally, you know, I think if you get to a certain level of technology or abilities, you could really appear to come from anywhere you liked. And I think that's the, the question there. Is people say, you know, are they from outer space? Well, if you had a wormhole, you can just jump through. So is that traveling through space? Are you going through dimensions? Are you bending time? You know, what is what does that really count as? I mean, are you a time traveler and interdimensional? You know, so yeah. I, I'm wary on kind of defining what they are, where they originate. But the, the, there are intelligences, there are aliens to us that help us. Yes. And others that hinder us. Um, some of those may also originate in here and that we're projecting them outwards, though. So, I mean... I think it's a real quagmire to determine which is which and who is who. If I could ask Bruce, what's your perspective on um, crypto terrestrials and that type of hybridization experimentation that seems to be, you know, allegedly going on on the just below the surface of this planet? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's the theme, isn't there? The underground base theme, you know, that where there are caverns that seem to be populated with beings um, or you know, real bases, things that like constructions that people report they've been either taken to, or some people right. say they physically have been down there and claim they've been, you know, in trains, networks and stuff connected. Um, but there's definitely a theme, you know, if you look at the shamanic lore, you know, that the idea that the shaman went to the underworld, you know, that there was the, 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 the heavens where they could travel to, and there was beings there who sometimes would insert crystals and things into their bodies and give them upgrades, new powers. So, I mean, that's an old story, right? It's a really right. ancient story. And the other thing they could do was go down into an underworld, which is also populated by these strange beings who do similar things. And then you can have a spirit family, you know, in this other world where you might have a wife and children in the other world, right? So, I think, you know, when we look at through that frame, we realize that, you know, this seems to be as ancient as modern humans, this experience of being taken to an underworld or an overworld and having relationships and children. And so, I mean, I, I think there's a, a reality to that. I don't think that this is something where we're all just dreaming it up, you know, like um, a totally like a mental illness, that there is something either physically going on or interdimensionally going on where we are contacting beings that are having these relationships with us. Um, to determine how much of that's physical and how much it is non-physical, again, is really tricky. I mean, certainly people turn up with physical uh, changes to their systems. You know, people have said their DNA, apparently, in some experience, people are suggesting they found evidence DNA has been changed. And that was it. There are ganglions in the brain in some people mm -hmm. showing enlargement. Um, you've got, obviously, cut scrapes and all of that. But then on the flip side of that, if you look at some of the 
some of the sort of the, the Himalayan Buddhist you know, information I've looked at, for example, there was a, a master who was, you know, was learning with his uncle. I can't remember the guy's name. There's a book. I think it's uh, the, the Orb, the Lotus and something. But anyway, that, I remember the guy at some point. But um, he talks about how he was training with his uncle, who was like a really high master, you know, and he himself was, you know, a master teacher. And he said, you know, he was up in the caves, you know, the, the, the uncle is in a deep meditation and you know, he leaves him up there in his cave. So he goes to his own area and he says, while he's in his sleep, he says, at this point in his practice, he has um, every night, he has full control, lucid dreaming. Right? He said, because he's got to that point in his meditation where he's always aware whether he's asleep or he's awake, right? So he's in this lucid state and he's contacted there by the Dakinis, which are these kind of, you know, spirits in the Tibetan Buddhist system. And the Dakinis come to him and they, one of them says, you know, there's this text here for like, for your uncle and gives him this little scroll and he puts it in his hand and he's holding the scroll. And then when he wakes up, you know, his hands are still clenched and he sort of opens his hands and the scroll is in his hands. Right. And so he goes up to his, uncle. he's excited. He says like for him, he's never had something like that happen. Right. So he goes up to the cave and normally he says he won't disturb a master in their meditation, but he's so excited. He's like, you know, uncle, uncle. The guy comes out and he says, you won't believe what happened. You know, I was in this dream, the tequinis, give me this scroll and it's for you. And he's like, ah, I was expecting that. Just takes it and walks away. So, I mean, there's people out there for whom that thing, the idea that we can transgress between that dream world, that non-physical world and our physical world is not a problem in their worldview and in their experiences, right? So I'm wary even when we say someone has physical evidence of something happening to them, whether that's quite as nuts and bolts as we think right because it, it seems like there's a bleed through between that other world the non-physical other world you know our dream worlds and you know and what's happening here and again i think probably some of you know that you see that in the ayahuasca traditions as well the idea that we're seeing some of these same beings the greys reptilians yeah. and instead in those shamanic experiences so what's going on there then because you know if they're so physical and flying around in spaceships around earth what are they doing inside someone's ayahuasca vision uh, mm. interacting with right. them just as seemingly physically in that? So again, I think it, it's so complex, the idea of sieving out what we even mean by, are they physically there? You know? Right. Yeah. I once heard right. someone describe uh, seeing a UFO in the sky. I think I can't remember if it was on a podcast or just someone telling me that it felt to them the same way you tune in and out a radio frequency where it was physical, but then it wasn't. And I mean, that right there, when I heard it, I'm like, oh, well, I've been learning about frequencies for the last three years from so many people. And this seems to line up with that, uh, that more spiritual side of things. And then when you think about channeling and channeling possibly, you know, books written by people, mm -hmm. channeling an alien being, perhaps, you can always also go back and we can tie it all back together. You go back to Crowley. And uh, I know, Mark, you know a lot about his work. And uh, there seems to be uh, a gray being channeled by Crowley that he drew uh, in his, uh, what was it called? Lamb, I believe. And it clearly represents what we associate with gray aliens. And then you just think of what he was into. And then think of the Royal Society he associated with, the American politics that he got into, all these close-knit relationship with all these people that have built this same system that is suddenly about to tell us the truth about UFOs. I mean, what the, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs>
even TTSA, isn't it? Was is Ad Astra, which and Ad Astra was the organization set up by um, who was the rocket scientist friend of Crowley? Jack Parsons. Parsons. Yeah, Jack, yeah. Jack Parsons had Ad Astra. So we have TTSA that's named for Jack Parsons' rocket organization, you know, and, and obviously you got a deep occultist connected with Crowley. So, I mean, people sort of have to look at that and say, why is TTSA honoring, you know, the Crowleyite kind of um, space faring brigade, right? You know, there's something's very odd there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and it this kind of is, yeah, this is the nexus point where like the beginnings of sci-fi culture and the end of the, you know, spiritualist movement meet, right? Because a lot of those science fiction writers that kind of created a lot of the fantasies that they sell us with these black budget projects, um, you know, were inspired to a large degree by theosophists and all these other people who were taking that esoteric knowledge Mm-hmm. As you beautifully destru- described, Bruce, where you can see the connections between the true human nature and what we do as human beings in indigenous cultures, as shamanistic practices, that's no different than what these ceremonial magicians do, like uh, Aleister Crowley. So, yeah, the connections are all there. I wonder, though, be, you know, make the point that, you know, it's ultimately seems to you that they are metaphysical or, or less physical in nature. What do you make of cases like the green children of Wolf Pit, where you have this sort of like walk-in case where these children came from that underworld area allegedly and, and, and then went on to live lives in this realm and never go back? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, there's definitely those cases where you think, you know, it, it seems to cross into where you it's really hard to say and that you know are they emerging and becoming something like a kind of a um a tulpa or something where you know it just becomes solid or were they always solid is it a real person from an underworld that's come up um and how well verified some of these accounts are again because we often you know when you look deeper some of these stories i mean i've accepted stories over the years where when i've gone back around you know looked again the evidence you know this often crumbles you know because um there's the support for them is less than i assume so i don't know to what degree as well that the green children you know just how well verified it was you know um i mean what's your thoughts i mean what was the strongest evidence that it definitely happened i mean, I, I remember the case but i'm not sure on what was the the level of evidence to support that it you know wasn't just local folklore i mean i yeah, yeah, no, I mean, it is an old story, so we can't be sure that these children didn't just come from some other place, but the the way that they describe where they came from, it's certainly strange. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. The behavior of their them, you know, what they did in the first four or five years before they kind of got socialized. It's interesting, mm-hmm. you know, it's uncharacteristic of the time as well, which makes it mm-hmm. unusual, but yeah, I, I think... The, uh, I'm not, I'm the, not the strongest it, evidence would be in the um, in the genealogical evidence that mm. they did. So they I don't know enough of that to be able to recite it off the top of my head, but I think it is worth looking yeah. at. But I really only brought it up because um, this kind of fairyland underworld area that has existed in mythology it's accounted for all over the world. It's really kind of little green men, you know, these little, little green people coming up from the, the ground. Um, but I mean, also, I mean, if you look in Egypt and stuff, you know, the tunnel networks at Giza and stuff really point to there being some kind of 
an underworld there. You know, we know that all around the world we have these tunnel networks, you know, across Peru and in Turkey, whole cities under the ground. I mean, it, it does look that at some point humans en masse constructed an underworld, you know, a real physical underworld, mm. which, you know, we're finding bits of it around the world, right? So the, the idea that there's still people somewhere down there you know, I don't think we should, anyone should just dismiss because like, you know, the places are real, you know, these multi-tiered structures in Turkey are real. You know, you go, you know, you look at some of the accounts. I mean, there's some really wacky sounding stuff like in the, um, the Zenda Vesta, you know, in the kind of um, the texts from the, the kind of Caucasus region and stuff that we've got, you know, a text talking about a great winter that comes and they have to build this underground structure that's so many stadia wide and all the rest of it. But they're talking about it having self-luminating and the, the, there's the lights which are like the stars and the sun. And then there's the other kind of light, which is the self-creating light, which is used inside this bunker, right? They're talking about, mm. they're going down into it. And that then they're talking about, you know, and they'll take the seed of all the animals and the seed of people. And every now and again, they have to make some more people. And it's like, it sounds like, you know, a bunker with a genetic engineering lab and stuff. So, I mean, again, you know, why would they, and how would they come up with something so extraordinary thousands of years ago, this idea of, you know, a bunker with its own light system and <laughs> So, I mean, I, I think we have to be able to idea that there are real underworlds and that, you know, we have the ongoing legend of, of course, like Shangri-La type worlds up in the Tibetan plateau, right? Which now I think there's some interesting links there. Cause you I mean, you look at the Tibetan, sorry, look at the Denisovans, right? These mysterious humans that we know lived alongside us. And they found um, evidence that they were up in the Tibetan plateau, you know, a couple hundred thousand years ago, right? They found, you know, they found the bones and stuff. Now, now it does make you wonder, you know, could some of these Denisovans have gone into an underground area up there and that they still live there? And we have the men in black accounts of these Asian looking people, these really strange, you know, Asian looking people that turn up after paranormal events and after all kinds of UFO events and that don't seem to really understand our culture properly, don't understand objects in people's houses, but seem to turn up and be monitoring the outside world. Now, I'm not saying it is them, but, you know, it could be something as surreal as, you know, some pocket of Denisovans in an underground bunker up in the... I mean, it maybe there's something as crazy as that, right? So... Would you, sorry, uh, Bruce, would you put the, uh, the the hybrid, or sorry, the men in black, would you classify them as potentially being the result of maybe some of these Denisovans, but also the result of some type of hybrid experimentation of sorts? Or are you leaning more towards sort of a, an ancient, like, Denisovan uh, background? Well, one of the things interesting, I don't know if, if anyone caught the case where um, they found a hair. There was a guy who had sex with what he thought was an alien woman, and there was a hair left behind. And when they did the DNA analysis on the hair, it tracked to a rare East Asian haplogroup, right? So that, that's kind of funny, because if these are supposed to be, you know, alien hybrids, you know, why has it got DNA that leans towards some, you know, rare class of East Asian people? So... I mean, it may be, and again, of course, we with the DNA hybridization program, again, when we look at that stuff, you know, I personally don't see why aliens need to add any DNA at all to us to make mm. any kinds of hybrids. If you remember, like, if you caught where Elon Musk said, you know, look, with the right DNA or RNA sequence, we can turn you into a freaking butterfly. Like, and right. He, he, he's right. The thing is, if you understand the DNA code to the point where you can play it like a piano, and that's what we're talking about, beings that say are, let's say a million years ahead where the DNA code is like, is like child's play, yeah? Mm. 
you don't need to splice anything into it because you can sit there and just modify the genome and turn us into anything, turn us into a bat or a gray alien, uh, whatever you want. So I, I think that for years and years, you know, like I, I had that very wrong and thought, you know, it must be half alien DNA. We don't even know if they had DNA, right? The only beings we know have DNA is this planet. So we have to assume that we are the only DNA life that we know, right? So if they don't have a DNA basis, they can't splice themselves into us for a start. So we really, that's putting another level of complexity into it to assume that all life out there has the same uh, basis as us. But, but what would make sense is if they know how to modify us and that they can change the regulators for coding um, our, uh, what's the word, our genes. So to express differently. So like if you wanted to, have someone's hair bigger, you can just go to the genes that express skull size and stuff, you know, and change those and stuff, making the gray alien, make the bigger eyes. And, you know, so you could conceivably take a human fetus and modify it in such a way as you end up with a gray alien, right? So now if you look at some of these cases, uh, we've had the little uh, mummy from Peru, right? And you had the star child. Uh, we've had these ones, these other ones in a cave in, um, in Peru as well now, which is, you know, People are saying are hybrid aliens, but every time they test these things, it comes up as human DNA, right? In all of these cases, they found human DNA. So then people say, well, it's just humans, you know, it's just humans. But hang on a minute. You've got a guy that, you know, six inches high who is saying it's got, you know, dozens of anomalies, right? And they admit, that, although they're saying it's human, this is dozens of unique anomalies in this little fetus. And then you've got the star child who just un you know, unprecedented anomalies in its skull, right? But, you know, uniquely, um, the, mor the morphology is all normal in terms of there's not, you know, misshapen, right? Um, so it looks like it's whatever it was, it's the way it was meant to be, right? And then you've got the mm -hmm. same with these other three-fingered beings. Like they don't look like normal people, any of them. So if you could go into the code and modify a fetus, you can create all of those kind of things, right? And they will come up as human just with anomalies in the DNA. I, I think that's what's happened. I think we're seeing the results of tampering rather than splicing. So it's not hybrids in the way we think about it, but they may hybridize with other life on earth, you know, take genes out of a frog or anything like, like we kind of do, right? So would you, sorry, sorry, Bruce, would you attribute, when you say tampering, sorry to interrupt you, would you attribute that also to the very precise mutilations, in some cases, human and cattle, that certain independent, you know, surgeons have looked at it and said, even if this was under the knife of the most advanced technology, we, we couldn't even get this precise with, you know, um, again, rectal tracts being removed almost seamlessly, it looks like from the, from the body, the corpses, would you put that in the tampering category? Well, 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 differently, but I mean, it shows that there's somebody who has a high level of medical knowledge concerning a high level of medical technologies who's operating somewhere on our planet. I mean, that would support the idea that there are advanced technologies and people interested in the DNA of this of life on this planet. You know, if they're harvesting from not just from cows, it seems that, you know, there's other animals, whales and, you know, recently great white sharks that are being mutilated. I mean, there's really some strange ones out there, you know, that there are, if there are beings that have a high medical knowledge and that they're collating samples from all kinds of life, it's entirely possible they use some of this material in splicing because we do it ourselves. You know, we're doing GMO where we take, you know, spider gene, put it in a sheet so it can make super strong wool, right? So we probably are a hybrid, but not necessarily alien DNA because what you would do instead, you could look for traits in other life on this planet and say, okay, well, take a gene out of that moss there and put it in, you know, take it out whatever you want. If you know what you're doing, you can utilize all that information that's already here and just change segments of DNA. 
I think that's what, personally, that's what I'm convinced that we are, is a modification of the code rather than a true hybrid where we'd find any evidence that we've been, you know, alien DNA has been spliced into it. I really don't, I don't even know if there is such a thing as alien DNA. I think we'd have to establish that there is any alien DNA, right? Because we just, I've not seen anything that substantiates the idea that aliens actually have DNA. Nobody's got a sample of a being, <laughs> right, that I know of, where we can say, yeah, you know, they're made of DNA too. So it's much more likely that they are just tampering with our code. And that's something we do understand. We know that we're heading into it now with the CRISPR and uh, next generation beyond CRISPR technologies that have come in already. So we're going to be doing the same thing, right? So we can now understand the technology of the gods because that's what we're kind of doing. We don't need, you know, splicing in an alien. We're going to be able to just go in and change people and give them longer life and, you know, more strength and bigger brains and all of that stuff, but not easily. So perhaps this is where, you know, that, that idea of the mimicry converges because it seems like maybe they're going to roll out whatever they're going to roll out while this is still possibly happening on the planet for real and that we could maybe separate the two if we're keen enough to look at, at it from a broad perspective and, and not put our faith in people that we have not trusted for 70 years with this information. Um, I had a question for anybody that might be knowledgeable about, uh, about this. Uh, there's a documentary from, I believe, 2016, and it was called Mirage Men. Is anyone familiar with that? Mirage Men? Yeah, I've heard it. of it, but I haven't seen it. Yeah, okay, well, what it entails is a story about a guy named Richard Doty. Richard mm. Doty being former CIA, back to what Charlie was saying, former CIA, coming out mm. onto this amazing documentary that back in 2016, I ate it up and I was like, wow, this is amazing. This is incredible. This is giving us a whole new angle that they are admitting this guy's coming out as like a whistleblower, but he was never called a whistleblower. Nothing ever happened there. It was just this documentary where this guy talked about all of his past situations where he purposely misled people, sometimes down very dark paths and believing very crazy things to distract and push away from what was going on out in the desert near Area 51 and places like that, what these people may have seen. Uh, there was one, I can't remember his name, but there was one incident where a man had seen some things, was talking about it, was reporting on it. And eventually Richard Doty and his team slowly convinced the man of so many crazy things and then just ripped it out from underneath him, destroyed his life, his family mm -hmm. left. The man, I believe, ended up committing suicide. So this this man is coming out here kind of claiming to be involved in these very dark projects, trying to push us away from military projects and things like that. And he's now become an absolute sensation in the UFO community, where he's talking on all the different documentary shows and things like that. He is now, he's the former Lou Elizondo type character, it seems. Right. And to me, it was, it started to stink. And so recently I started to look into who made this documentary and it's very curious and maybe it's nothing, but we did talk about symbolism and we all know that they do use words intentionally and they like to push us in certain directions. Well, the company that makes that made that documentary and it literally just made that documentary. And I believe just one other 
And it was called Perception Management Productions. And I feel that that's yeah, perfect yeah. because that's exactly what they <laughs> always do. Yeah. They always put these little titles on things that people like you and I guys will pick up on. And they want us to be like, oh, you. <laughs> For the rest of people, they're not seeing it at all. And they're, you know, I guess we could possibly, possibly talk about the idea of revelation of the method involved there. I don't know. You guys are probably he familiar was, with that term was, too. Yeah. He was also an unacknowledged, I believe as well too. The documentary with uh, probably Greer and a few others. Conveniently. He, 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 yeah. He said that the CIA does drop off, uh, you know, suitcases of cash to certain directors in Hollywood to, you know, put, uh, insert a certain scene within a film, if you will, or, or something like this. But yeah, I'm on, I'm on the ropes about him as well too. I mean, again, that, that's the thing. When you say former CIA, are you ever really former? you know, you ever really X, that's the, that's the whole thing behind it. Right. right. This guy's admitting to like, you know, letting the government tell him and signing off on the checks and everything to kill, to let people drive them to, to killing themselves, ruining people's lives. This is just normal business. And he's talking about it and our UFO community just kind of let him in. Yeah. And it's, it's just seems very convenient to me. He was a contractor for Hal Putoff for a while. That well. Okay. Yes. Yeah. yeah. He, um, I mean, he strikes me as the perfect individual who would, again, I could be wrong here, but it would be assigned, as we've seen in, uh, in recent, um, I guess you could say, disclosures of certain documents, to insert themselves within particular communities, with not just within the UFO community, but even the paranormal, the paranormal community, any forum or community that is actually fairly accurate. They'll insert themselves in there, and uh, this is not a uh, fly-by-night sort of operation. It seems like, uh, the, particularly the MI6, Mossad, and the CIA of all of them tend to, um, at least prominently, try to insert certain assets, if you will, or agents that give a little bit of truth. But again, the rest is it's a uh, you know the best kind of lie is the one when you wrap it with a bit of truth, right? Right, absolutely. I mean, that's a good disinfo. And if you look at the start TTSA with um, Tom DeLong, in his very first, one of the very first interviews he did, he quite openly said that, you know, the agreement was that they would supply me information as long as I mixed it in with, with fiction. And I, I started thought, that's the definition of a disinformation campaign, bud. Well, I, I just wanted, to, yeah, another, another thing too. Sorry, Bruce, were you going to? Say something. Sure. Oh, okay. Uh, there's another agent, uh, not necessarily having to do with uh, the UFO community, but his name was John Stockwell. I'm not sure if any of you are familiar with him. He was more prominent in the 70s, uh, particularly where he talked about openly. He said um, this was shortly after the Church and Warren Commission exposed all of this stuff, and even under that too, uh, William Casey, under Ronald Reagan, the head of the CIA at the time, blatantly lied in the uh, the Church and Warren Commissions as well. Well, um, in terms of propaganda, he said that he admitted in those commissions, yes, you know, the United States does do propaganda, but we make sure we take steps to make sure it doesn't come back into the country, right, so that the American people don't fall for it. He said, John Stockwell, and if you look him up, he's known for, for kind of rebelling, if you will, or trying to start something, but it didn't end up coming to fruition. Uh, he said over 400 journalists working with the CIA, some of the biggest names in the business. He said, and that was back in the late 70s. So again, there's some people that will say, oh, you can't do that now. I argue the total opposite. It's, I mean, I would argue it's even easier, if you will. He explained very thoroughly. He said, for example, he ran the Angolan war. And think about how scary that is for a second. You're running a war 
think about how you know what I mean that whole concept of it but he said he goes in the CIA he goes we refer to it as covert action but he goes what was it really it was propaganda he goes propaganda mixed in with some dirty like physical field work if you will but he said the whole thing was that they had people in Zambia on the payroll in the Zambia government that would give the approval for the CIA to insert completely falsified and made up stories into the Zambia Times. And then what would then happen is that in, they would have someone, a reporter on the payroll from London, England in the UK to pick up on the story. But the cover was that he would get it from his stringer in Kinshasa who got it from the Zambia Times. So and then the interviewer said, OK, so were any of these stories real he, in terms of, um, you know, the Cubans and the Russians eating babies? This was the time during, you know, communism and all that. He Mr. Stockwell, at the, at the very least, said he goes um, he goes, they were all made up. He goes, we just sat in a room and just made them up. He goes, we had no evidence of the, the Russians or the Cubans eating babies. He goes, all that stuff completely made up, he said. He goes, like he, would give, he would give some of the names of the people of the um, outlets he was working with that the CIA was, but he goes, he would expose himself to tons of lawsuits. So I'd like to point out that they no longer need to do that, thanks to the Smith Modernization Act of 2012, which legalized propaganda inside the United States to be used right. on Americans through Obama. Right. So, and, and, and not, to, not to say that they weren't lying to us before, obviously they were, right. but, but they took the extraordinary step of legalizing propaganda because I suggest that they intended to use some propaganda. They wouldn't have legalized it if they didn't. So so a lot of this stuff has, has, has been coming out, and, and I've obviously the church committee talking about the role of the CIA and in the newsrooms and things like that. I mean, it's like, if, if, if you, you know, if you believe what the mainstream media is telling you, especially when it comes to some new narrative that just kind of seems to come out of nowhere, then you just have to remember this. You have to remember that, yes, there will be like we talked about a little bit of truth wrapped up in there because they have to uh, give you, give you that. But, but in this information media sausage making with truth and lies, it all gets mixed in and it's not labeled. You don't, they don't say, well, here's the, here's the 10 minute portion of the nightly news. It's going to be the propaganda portion. Yeah. It's it's all mixed in. So so you can't trust any of it. They poisoned it all. So, so, you know, is a guy like Lou Elizondo coming out and telling the truth? maybe this much, right? Mm. The minimum mm. amount needed in order for you to believe it. But is it also propaganda? And is it also, of course, I mean, that's, that's what they do. But I don't, but, but even if Lou Elizondo is out of the equation and it's just Anderson Cooper sitting up right. there, I'm still assuming that there's it's lies mixed in with truth. Well, that's the thing, too. Uh, when you look at, for example, you know, it's it's funny because when you know what to look for, and I would imagine uh, presumably everybody on this on this panel here knows that when we read articles, for example, like when CNN or MSNBC, they start off their show or they start an article with, you know, our sources recently learned from the CIA. It's like, hold on, hold on a second. First off, let's put aside the whole thing that, you know, your sources, so to speak, I'm sure some are real, but I'm sure there's a lot that are made up now the cia has been known to trick uh, outlets like the washington post and cnn where they've had to take redactions in times where they weren't in on a certain operation if you will but the thing that i hate the most that i i personally despise is when they say uh you know what we learned from the cia with all due respect what the hell are you supposed to learn from the cia they've been lying every five seconds since i was born even before that so i don't know you know I've, and then they and i'm msnbc they bring the head of the CIA on to 
as an analyst, John Brennan, you're supposed to bring people on to debunk the CIA, not to reinforce what the CIA is saying. Now, again, there's the argument that, listen, yes, do they do a bunch of messed up stuff? Yeah, but they also keep us safe in the West. And, you know, that goes for MI6. It goes for Mossad. It's it's tit for tat, right? Like it's mm -hmm. my favorite is sources close to the president. Yeah. What the fuck does that mean? That means nothing. That's yeah. literally saying nothing. I, th this guy thinks he has an idea what the president. You, you know what? I think the other thing is too, why the censorship is ramped up. Uh, I just wanted to say very quickly is that I think people are catching on that. It doesn't take some guy in a suit making 30, 40 grand a day, which is like what Chris Cuomo or Sean Hannity makes literally. Um, whereas people like us are doing 10 times the work and you know we're probably crowdfunded or we're I'm, I'm i'd like to think most of us are not making that kind of money right so it's <laughs> these these guys are making 30 40 grand a day with research teams and are you are you kidding me like and i think people are catching on like you know for example whether you agree with the guy or not just to quickly throw this out there the jimmy Dore show he's uh, he's getting more views than daytime msnbc and cnn i think this is what scares them right yeah. shows like this for example like the deep share podcast it's getting views that they i'm sure they could control it if they wanted to but they'll do it under the guise of oh conspiracy equals dangerous you know absolutely across the board with rogan a bit haven't they you know they, they haven't liked that because it's become so big and obviously some of the opinions are labeled conspiracy right so right they don't seem to have a full control on that kind of uh, media because it's really hard if you even if you are influencing something like that, at the end of the day, guests are going to mostly say what they're going to say, right? So it's, it's a kind of a hard platform to really control, isn't it? Because the people are going to come on, even if you could pay off Rogan or, you know, friends, yeah. that those guests are still going to come on and basically say what they want to say. So unless you start editing out whole chunks of interviews, which is going to flag up at some point, you can't really control those podcasts in that way. And I think that's why it's a... It's a threatening kind of media for the the major state voice. Yeah. Isn't it? Any of those kind of you can come on and say what you want to say platforms. Right. I, I will a, say uh, as a new podcaster, you know, I've been around for a few months and that's it. But man, I've had a lot of very weird ads come to me over Instagram and Facebook mm. for, oh, we'll help you. Don't you worry. So, I mean, I kind of knew exactly what that was. And even Bill Burr said something on Rogan last year about this. When you said, like, guests are going to say what they're going to say, he was telling every young person out there that started a podcast, don't, don't pay anybody to do it for you. Don't let anybody own you. Stay away from it because they're coming. They're trying their damnedest. I mean, I was mm -hmm. talking to uh, another local podcaster from New Hampshire, Ron from New England, uh, on the Wicked Planet podcast. And, and he and I both have been looking into, you know, CB radio technology and stuff like that, because I wonder, I wonder if we're going to have to resort to something like that. And then sure enough, we found they're removing all the CB towers. Right. <laughs> I had a, I had a great conversation. I was in London two years ago with, uh, and I was doing Renegade Inc., which is a Ross Ashcroft did it. He's the, the director of Four Horsemen. And when we got done recording, we were just sitting on the set and we were talking and he said, he said that, I forget what we, I forget what we had been talking about on the show, but he said, that was such a fascinating uh, conversation that we had about this, this particular thing. He says, you know, back when I worked 
for the BBC, which was a while ago. He says, there's such maniacs there. He says, if we'd been having this conversation at the BBC, I'd have a producer in my ear telling me, get off that topic, get off the topic. And if I didn't get you off that topic, then as soon as we got done with the show, I'd be mm. called up to the office upstairs and I'd be in front of a three-person panel that would be grilling me as to why I wasn't able to get off the topic. I was like, God. And he said, no. that's, that's why I'm I, not at the BBC anymore because I can't, that's not journalism. That's not news. It's, I can't do that. And I thought, Oh, that's, that's crazy. And that's interesting because BBC is allegedly supposed to be one of the more reputable global uh, institutions, right? Yeah, um, as they're ignoring the hundreds of thousands yeah. of people marching by their office, they're like, oh, yeah. nothing to see here. Can't see. <laughs> Let me ask yeah. you guys and, an off topic. Jimmy Savile a platform for four decades. Yeah, well. what's that? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah, very suspicious. I mean, even some of their own now are slowly, you know, ex people from BBC turning on it and saying, you know, it's become, you know, a, a real joke itself. It's running on that narrative of respectability built up in years past, whereas now, it just, it just is not that platform anymore. You know, it's very clear. It's a state mouth. I mean, it always has been, but now it's just transparently a state mouthpiece where, you know, we can see stories that major stories are just not running on there. Um, and it's got to a point where it's, it's, I think even people that are, you know, older people that are definitely not conspiratorial, just, just are realizing this is no longer the platform they remember, you know, the real news is it's, that's gone. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I see my elders starting to slowly kind of learn that uh you know my my father is starting to kind of not watch any of the traditional news stations he used to watch and it's kind of slowly slowly but surely happening you know but i don't know it's weird is it is it from just my perspective that so many of us feel the way most of us do about this ufo topic or is it really a growing thing that we're all kind of getting more wise to to these behaviors from from handed down from on high something at least in my perspective in the last three to five years something woke a bunch of people up whether you know whether it was personal experiences at an individual level or something was put out there purposefully that's my opinion but mm -hmm. yeah yeah so I've been, um, I've been disappointed frankly with some of my friends that that have willingly walked in i mean over the last year especially with the covid situation just and, and the relationship that the media has with being the only disseminator of of information about it or, or purporting to be that i i would say to them like you do you do realize that the the mainstream media is just pathological in their lies and they're like what and I'm mm. thinking, God, how can you guys not see this? You're smart people. You know what's going on. So there. So when I get out of my little bubble of this alternative media world where everybody can see it like that, you know, I, I and interact with some of my friends that are, or as James Corbett would call them, normies. Um, they they're still they're still surprisingly down on the reservation where they're not picking mm -hmm. up all of this. And I've and I to me it's just. It's like I've described it as when you you know those those paintings that are like all the dots and and you gotta have to like squint your eyes and then you can see the elephant mm. in there. Like once you see the elephant, you can always see the elephant. But for yeah. everyone else, they're still looking at a bunch of dots and they're like, I, I don't see it. And I feel like I just want to shake them and just go, it's right there. It's like fucking right there, you know. And but. I think I, maybe everyone needs to come to that realization on their own, you know, maybe, Absolutely. maybe they need, yeah. 
one, two, you know, there's one news story that they go, wait, what? I don't, this seems crazy. And then, and then the wheels come off of the mainstream narrative. I mean, it's reflected in their ratings for sure. So there's definitely a huge segment of the population that's waking up to it. But the problem is they don't know who, how to replace it. What do I replace my nightly news with? Where do I go for better news? Mm. Obviously it's, it's, it's us, you know, in the, the alternative media or maybe non-traditional news sources. That's, that's where, where it is, but they've been so trained to just turn on the TV and look for information there. If it's, if they can't go there anymore, they don't know where to go. So, so they, they keep kind of saying, well, well, maybe it'll get better. (laughs) Maybe, maybe, maybe maybe they won't lie to us so badly. It's like, no, but that's like, for example, right. People, I, I, you know, I, I laugh when I'm not saying the mainstream media always lies 100% of the time. I'm sure there are certain stories that are in nobody's interest to lie, but that's usually when it's reporting on like a car crash or something. You know what I mean? But the uh, the, the the Washington Post has a $600 million contract with the CIA. Uh, interestingly enough, you have to use DuckDuckGo to, to find that because Google will not bring that up on the first 10, 20 pages. I've tried. Um, so the Washington Post has a $600 million contract with the CIA, which is three times what the post is actually worth and even then some of the post's most prominent reporters have been um interviewed or caught while they're just leaving the the office if you will and what have you and they've been put in a corner verbally in the sense that they can't answer it because they would say you know the interviewers would say uh you know what do you think and these are just citizen journalists if you will saying you know ma'am or sir you know how could you work for a company that has a contract with the cia and they can't deny it because they know some of them would literally just walk away, say, okay, I'm not having this conversation. Others would stand and talk. But once they're caught with that question, there was one reporter, uh, one um, journalist, if you will, for the Washington Post. He, I think Dave Weigel was his name. He was approached and he just, when he was asked that question, I'm not kidding. He had a Starbucks coffee, those ones with the straws. It was full. When he was asked that question within a minute, 30 seconds, that thing was done. That's how nervous he was to not answer the question. He just kept drinking outside of the offices of the Washington Post, hoping that the citizen journalist would take the mic out of his, like in front of his face. He Mm. just kept drinking the coffee. And then he goes, yeah, he goes, I got no comment on that. Oh, really? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So it just, and the reason why I bring this up is because I have friends and family that send me and they're not trying to say, oh, Dave, you're wrong, but they're more focused. They, They believe that the traditional outlets are more, reliable if you will and so they send me certain things from the washington post that i know are just blatant lies and it's like my gosh i you know some people it's just they got to figure it out on their own i've given up personally trying to <laughs> we kind of i mean i don't know how familiar everyone is with um like a metaphysical thing but the hopi prophecy you know with the idea that we would hit a point in time where there's a split and you know one lot of people going to one reality and one into the other and like you know Really, I think we're in that because I, I, you know, I've accepted these people are living in a separate reality to me now. But right, I, whether they're in the sub reality or I'm the sub reality, depends what perspective you look at it from, right? Which I'm okay with. I appreciate for them, I'm delusional. Um, for me, they're <laughs> delusional, but they were literally not in the same world, you know. It's almost like the Jesus thing, and you know, you know, that you'd be in the world but not of it. I'm in their COVID, you know, UFO psyop <laughs> world, but I'm not of it because. Like to me, it's like, it was obviously not real, you know, it's obviously not real, but for them, it's so real, you know? Um, yeah. And that's where we're at. And, you know, if, if the Hopi are right, it just gets worse, you know, that they go further and further into that. 
and that we essentially end up with, at least for a while, two worlds coexisting, and that then the other one fades out in some horrible thing that fades out. That's pretty much how they sum it up. And looking at how it's going now, I mean, I, I would have to say applause to them. They seem to have nailed it because it really does seem to be that. It, well, that's exactly what I'm I'm seeing as well, too, Bruce. You, you said it perfectly. It's almost like, for example, a couple of weeks ago, I got banned for seven days from YouTube and YouTube said the reason was, quote unquote, questioning the authenticity of the WHO, which I don't remember doing directly, but maybe it's an algorithm or something. What, what frightens me the most, which should frighten the masses, which hopefully enough people realize soon, soon enough, is that it's not even that they're not they're not letting us have different create different content it's just having a different opinion for me i'm for example the uh, the most common thing now is the covid lab leak theory if you will for me it was not about you know if it came from a lab about it's not about who's right or wrong it's how come we cannot lay out all different opinions on the table how come that cannot be considered, no matter how radical it seems? And and I'm not saying this to you guys. I'm saying in general, don't give me this. Oh, it can fuel conspiracies, which could fuel violence. So if that's the case, then how about we take away all because if they're banning Twitter accounts because people shouldn't tweet, how about we remove people from having cell phones? Because even on cell phones, they could talk about that stuff, too. You see what I'm saying? Like the point don't is, is how ideas. Right. Yeah. How far are they going to push it until it becomes, OK, we've banned we've banned them from Twitter. We've banned them from here. Next thing will be removing their home phone. You know what I mean? Or something like that. Like, how far can you push it? Like, and how far will we take? How much of right. it will we take? And, right. and where is the breaking point for so many people? Well, uh, just and just to bring it yeah. around and keep it in the context of this disclosure, it seems like a few different things are starting to roll out over the next few years. And this seems to be the the spearhead of it It you know i mean we're talking about the scientism the the transhumanism into like these cyborg ideas that elon musk is i mean he just tweeted yesterday like if you can't beat him join him with some cryptic you know subhuman quote i think that guy gets uh, with all with all respect i think that guy gets a hard-on from trolling every so often i do too i I think (laughs) but he does own the company that's doing he claims something like neural link i'm gonna find it you guys keep going it's just like (laughs) i mean even with disclosure i just wanted to say very quickly that i think this unfortunately or fortunately ties in with politics in the sense that you know politicians keep saying they've been saying this forever if you don't like what we're doing let us know well the people have been letting you know just like for example how bruce said many thousands of people outside of the bbc but they don't cover it now i'm gonna watch my words very carefully here because Um, I I don't want to be misconstrued in what I'm trying to say here, but for the people all around the world that are protesting, whether it's for the lockdowns or for disclosure or for many different things because of COVID and all this, a lot of them, the mainstream media seems to be saying, oh, how come these people are resorting to violence? I'm now, let me be very clear. I'm not for violence at all, nor am I trying to defend them. But to understand their perspective, if you're someone for years who's been calling on your politicians to do something in, in the masses very clearly, and new politicians get elected, fresh faces, but they still don't make any changes, what, and then those politicians say, well, if you don't like what we do, then protest. And then they protest peacefully and then still nothing changes. What you expect them to do? I'm not saying violence is the answer, but I'm saying what other option do these angry people have? I'm not, I'm not, again, I'm trying to be very careful with my words here. I'm not for violence at all, but what options have you left these people? 
I don't think Correct. there's any option left, mainly because um, it right. seems like over the to me, the whole situation with Trump was a way to segregate a lot of people right. similar to us, people that question things and go, hey, wait a minute, this doesn't yeah. I'm not a I'm not a Trump supporter by any means. But wait a minute, what's going on here? And the Q thing it, it, and it kind of seemed like it was a merging of let's take this political demographic, mix it with people who believe in reptilians and right. merge it all together. And then we started, we started hearing about it. We started hearing about domestic terrorism laws against, you know, fake news things and, and conspiracy theorists. Mm. And it just seems like a perfect way to divide us and, and kind of get us corralled. And mm. it seems to us to have happened to a lot of people and it's, frightening <laughs> to say the least and I, I just wonder how how the deception comes to a point because it seems to be coming to a point you know from a lot of different angles and I don't think it's necessarily healthy to necessarily stay in these deep dark areas where you know we're constantly focused on them because of course that's the magician's you know best tool that's what they want um the other side of the coin, guys, what, you know, the, the more spiritual side, what do you think we could look forward to over the next few years when it comes to, you know, all of this coming to a head in a positive light? Well, I mean, I'd say one of the things is, you know, with the fact that people are at least a section of the community are waking up and becoming more aware is that, you know, as that segment of humanity gains greater and greater awareness, I mean, it is a kind of superpower. I mean, you know, you, you can see the world for what it is, right? So it's going to be really hard in the longer run for them to do anything with those people or to those people. So it's almost as though they're corralling the weak of the herd, you know, into the farms or whatever, you know, but the, the rest of us, I, I think really there's a good chance the future is pretty bright if you can stay out of that corral, you know? Mm. Because I don't think they really want to deal with the people who have awakened to themselves and to their abilities and, you know, psychic abilities, you know, all the rest of it, you know, that they're able to see through everything. You know, I don't think they really want to deal with the millions of people that are like that and that they are breaking away with their little collective of um, those who haven't woken up. So I think the future could be quite bright, but it will necessarily go through a period which is like, to me, looks like it'd be terrible, you know, to get there. <laughs> Yeah. Just, yeah. Change is painful. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's. Yeah. I think for the people that are already here hearing this message, it's important. Like what you said at the beginning of that, Bruce, is like awareness is the first step. So you're already here if you're listening to this. So right. create your own reality from here and stop worrying about how it affects other people. You start to create this kind of, uh, you know wave that other people follow along with you know be a leader not a follower and i think that when you really take that into creating your own reality you know it sounds like self-help stuff but it branches into every single part of it because like we mentioned many times throughout this conversation these beings are probably energetic you know the, the point charlie made at the beginning where it's like ESP is how they're doing it. You know, everything's conscious. That's the, that's the real secret that they're trying to keep from us. And they're going to make Bingo. things look more dire, more extreme, more desperate as they feel like they're losing more and more control. And why are they losing control? Because 
there's so many people here right now hearing this message aware mm -hmm. of what the truth is and that creates such a profound effect that you can't meddle with it you can't use black magic on that kind of whole human earthly goodness mm -hmm. well said well said i i agree fully yeah does anybody else want to say anything i think we're going to wrap up a little bit but um yeah, if anybody yeah go for it eric yeah you've been silent for a while and and just to preface me and eric typically have conversations like this where we're kind of coming from like two different angles on it so I, i'd really love to hear what you what you thought so far of all these different perspectives yeah i mean largely we agree though so so like you, you, i think oh, yeah. we take different paths to get there oftentimes mm -hmm. but i mean like I haven't, I haven't heard anything objectionable. Uh, so so nothing, <laughs> nothing, to, nothing to speak of there, but I'm really, really curious. Like, what do you all think we're going to get at the end of the month? Mm. If anything, cause I happen to think we're not going to get anything. I, I, I really think we're not like, I, we're going to get nothing. I'm going to, I'm going to go with a, a, a dilly dallying of words, basically uh, bringing it to where we started. So can't confirm, can't not confirm. My, my expectations are zero, by the way, for this. So, yeah, uh, that's just me personally. I could be I hope I'm wrong. I really do. Same right there with you, though. Yeah, I would agree. I would absolutely agree that this is going to be a dud. Uh, if anything, maybe maybe some form of technological leak. But I don't know how they're going to roll that out without an explanation of what where they think it might have come from. Right. And if it's not our hidden technology and it's not a foreign adversary hidden technology i'm really i'm very open-minded to even just sitting back with a bag of popcorn and finding out what they're going to come up with to tell us and it does kind of worry me i've talked to uh author micah dank about his his ideas about astrotheology and how this is a lot of it is all symbolism and things like that and it's how it's a lot of people believe it's kind of coming to this new religion. And since the old ones don't work anymore, this is kind of what they do. It's coming back around to this new religion and it's going to be a form of science. I can't call it real science though. So that's my take on it so far. I see predictive programming and things like the UNICEF commercial where they're talking about this alien child and, and they're going to incorporate him into the school system. Hey, come on in. You guys want it. You want to come play with us? And it's like, what, what the fuck are you guys doing here? Like, what, 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 what is this? Of all the con I worked in advertising of all the concepts that came through, this is the one you picked. Why? So, so I feel like they're, you know, they're definitely prepping us um, for something when when it comes you know it's it's all about the it's all about the the platform that delivers the message am i going to am i going to trust the message that comes from fox news or cnn i mean my default mm. is automatically switched to to no i mean i'd be interested in what they have to say not because i i, I view it as the truth i i'd be interested to know what the narrative is they're trying to create with it so i i expect i expect in the future i mean what's going to come from this but very, very little truth will come from it, but probably we'll get a new narrative. We'll get some new agenda. We'll get the slow incremental building up of this potential threat. Then maybe it's the, it's, it, you know, maybe they're going to run the virus threat for the next decade. But then after that, it's, it's like Verna von Braun said, you know, the, the, the alien card, you know, are they going to play that at some point if they do decide to play it? 
first of all, they better be yeah. damn good with it because if they, if they drop the ball, it's over for them, but don't but, get on the ship. Right. Don't get on the ship. <laughs> yeah. But it'll take a while. I feel that this would be, this is something that you can't just, you can't much like you can't drop reptilians on somebody on day one of a, yeah. of a conspiratorial <laughs> conversation. You can't drop aliens on. So it's got, you got to kind of work some people into this gradually. So I, I mean, my, I, my I, expectation for the release is, you know, the proverbial nothing burger, but, but wrapped in some things that will lead us to, to be fearful. Got it. You know, what if, what if they're going to get it? You know, so maybe we should up our funding for the Navy since the Navy keeps seeing these <laughs> USOs come up and everything. Well, maybe we need to give more money. So I don't, but anyone that's like, Oh, 180 days in, we get disclosure and it's going to all happen stop i mean that's 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 just magical thinking right there yeah i mean like um you guys familiar with alexander went i think he's a political scientist he's written about he's done a tedx on ufos and also he's written about the anthropocentric kind of model with ufos that and how the hierarchy cannot really allow aliens or even something like ufos that might represent something beyond us we can't really have that enter the paradigm because it then places the potential for something that's above the hierarchy you know like a yeah. ultra intelligent being right that's beyond them that destabilizes the hierarchy they have nothing to gain by bringing in that element right nothing to gain so the only way i can see that they can bring ufos which potentially you know may some of them be aliens the only way they can safely merge that is if they they bring in self-created self you know safe ufos they're safe for the system allow everybody to accept UFOs apart. Yeah, we've resolved the UFO thing, you know, but you cannot bring in the unknown the anomalous because that could destabilize their position, right? So I just cannot see there's any way that they can have advanced aliens being confirmed because that removes them as the top of the hierarchy instantly. People can be like, but what do the aliens think, right? Because you're not <laughs> going to think anymore. What does Bezos or somebody's going to think? But what about the transdimensional aliens? You can you know, go through wormholes. What do they think of everything, right? Because they're yeah. the instant top of the hierarchy and everyone's going to wonder what's their next move, not what these billionaires and their hidden powers are doing, right? They're right. going to be relevant. So I just can't see they can allow that. No I way. just wanted to say very quickly, the Department of Defense just tweeted about four minutes ago that uh, the, the, the Department of Defense, in correspondence with the Pentagon, have announced that President Biden has been officially briefed on the UFO subject. Again, right. whatever that's supposed to be. Yeah. Big well, nothing burger. Yeah, yeah, whatever. That's 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 my that's my point. I didn't mean to hype everybody up. I was trying, no, to, okay. I was trying to bring it down, not up. Yeah. We told him there's nothing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Four minutes I mean, later, I, they'll they'll tweet. And President Biden Biden has now officially forgotten everything that he yeah. Was. Exactly. Yeah. 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 The, the, the only thing I can think of is that it's sort of like I mean I again and I'm I'm go I'm stretching here I'm reaching but uh, I. I just feel like I guess they've confirmed UFOs because for 70 years, NASA, the Pentagon said, no, no, we just see clouds. So I guess that's the that's I, I but still, even then, they're still by definition unidentified. So yeah. but why isn't hasn't he been briefed until now? Like also, mm -hmm. it's like, wait, OK, Great. well, I don't I, I firmly believe that presidents, particularly in recent years, are not briefed nearly as much because they're placeholder seats. I, I feel like people like Eisenhower and Reagan knew far more than what, you know, uh, Clinton, Bush, Obama, 
I feel like the, it's the, the the Dick Cheney's of the world, the ones that are really in the in deep with the military industrial complex. They're the ones that really know what's happening. That's yeah, that's goes just back my to opinion. The compartmentalization. Right correct. There again. Correct. The again, official uh, official front end ranking, not necessarily always being uh, taking taking the cake as to who can know, you know, uh, a Lockheed engineer, a Lockheed Martin engineer, excuse me, could know far more than the president's chief of staff. You know, yeah. the executive so, branch is by design the weakest of the three. Mm, so, yeah, right. Makes sense. Mark, what do you think? What are we going to get? Anything? Yeah, I think Pope Biden is the new, uh, <laughs> you know, Pope for the alien religion that's coming. They're going to drop <laughs> him dead like a fly, blame it on the aliens. And then we'll have uh, Kamala Harris as our <laughs> new uh, female. But you know, all jokes aside, Monica Perez kind of predicted that when I spoke to her uh recently she said that they've been she's playing great. on this yeah. kind of a weaponous epitus complex where it's like you know you kill your father for the mother something you know Oedipus. going back to the symbology we didn't get too heavily into that but yeah my prediction is that uh biden's gonna not make it the four years I would agree with that. <laughs> Apparently, Jimmy Carter, again, I have no, I have nothing to substantiate or ascertain the, the veracity of this, but Jimmy Carter, well, the, the, the latter half of the story, but when he was running for president, as I'm sure many of you know, he said he was going to disclose everything on UFOs. When he got in there, he said he wasn't going to for the sake of national security. Now, this is the part where, again, this is pure speculation and rumors. Allegedly, what he was briefed on was not even the full picture, not even close, but what he was, in fact, briefed on was was so disturbing that it, uh, it it turned him from a devout Catholic into just a just a sort of like, I don't know what to believe anymore. So again, now keep in mind, this is the 70s, right? People's worldview was far more narrow minded and things like that. So again, to say that, you know, the perspective he held in the 70s is what we still hold now. I doubt that. But, you know, just interesting oh. to note. There is something to say on that. Uh, I, I've been thinking for a very long time that just just overall, the the fact that it that the truth hasn't come out about UFOs to the public on accident that that this is so perfectly tight knit that it begs to, it begs the question: What is really behind the curtain there? Because if it is an extraterrestrial species from outer space, I really, maybe I'm all, I'm on an island with this, but I don't think you need 70 years of predictive programming in sci-fi movies, even though it's there. I don't think you need that to ensure that 7 billion people aren't going to literally lose their minds. I think it would take, it would be a period of coming to realization and understanding. And, you know, it would probably be like any great horrifying scary realization in life i don't think it's going to derail seven billion people and i don't think they thought that either i feel I, like that might be a little bit of a cop-out to suggest that it's just going to drive everybody mad and how derailed the people are now for christ's sakes i mean they, well, they've yeah, we're deranged the entire generation right they've deranged the young people today beyond belief i mean no i mean yeah. How could they be made worse by bringing in aliens? Well, I, I just arranged us all. Right. Well, what I what I find interesting too is what you said as well um, about what what actually all you guys are saying about how people are probably ready. There was one instance, for example, that uh, in the 1980s, President Reagan was about to go and disclose this with um, the at the time the Secretary General of the United Nations. 
and allegedly the secretary general was abducted and there is evidence to suggest that he was apparently he was abducted by gray aliens and this is again uh, you know the out there part that you shouldn't tell someone on day one but was being controlled by uh, gray aliens but those gray aliens were controlled by humans working with um extraterrestrials in order to spook reagan so it was sort of like you know the way a mobster would uh you know leave a bullet at your front door if you're about to go to the police or something same idea they're about to disclose it and then one someone gets abducted and it spooks reagan enough to say okay let's not do this so the point is is that i think there have been multiple factions pushing for this but the ones that want to hold it back have have held the strength if you will um yeah and they're the ones releasing it possibly or right I, I, we can argue that very strongly yeah yeah I allegedly jim semivan had beings in his bedroom and with his, his uh, operate on his wife or something or abduct wow but yeah it, it, supposedly semivan has had some kind of contact with grace appearing in the bedroom so again but then he's the cia director of what, internal operations in america and what was an, an illegal operation yeah i mean he's a guy i can trust i don't know if he's really had <laughs> problem is that you can't believe a word these people say and that you know that because you can think anytime they tell you that's what happened you think ah so the opposite happened you know so <laughs> Um, the inversion that's the problem with those guys yeah <laughs> mark you wanted to jump in yeah sorry i don't think my connection is too uh solid but yeah uh really my conclusion that i would like to assert is like analyze what we're talking about central intelligence agency right the, the intelligence the psychology of it all that's what it really boils down to i think ultimately the messaging that's associated with this conversation for me, not here, but when people talk about aliens, generally, there's a lot of fear, right? You're coming from an angle of fear of, you know, that same disempowerment. I think ultimately, if there are alien beings out there that have anything to benefit, they're not going to be, you know, working with people like the United States government, they're not going to be working with, you know, any of these Western powers or even China, Russia, I don't think that they would, but it's clear that there's some sort of, to me, weird connection between the elite with yeah. the, the real controlling structure and these entities. Mm -hmm. And if there are truly really beneficial uh, aliens out there who can help us, I think they probably go by this uh, prime directive where they can't intervene unless we're, you know, really in the uh you know right state to receive that intervention right. like we need to deal with these problems that we're having as human beings first before some kind of big change can happen uh so any of these promises of like oh well once we make this deal with the aliens we're going to give you guys all the technology that we've been hiding it's like no it's all bullshit on the 25th they're just going to keep pushing this ball forward so they can keep increasing the fear and playing off that fear that they always have that the elite uh have always used to uh maintain their control 
I, honestly, I couldn't think of anything more terrifying than a race of beings that wants to talk to our leaders and to the military and give them super advanced technologies. Christ, <laughs> <laughs> that's, the, that's the most horrifying scenario I can imagine. Actually, the, the, I'll, I'll go. I'll, I'll take it one step further, Bruce. I would even dare to say what's even more frightening is these beings giving our 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 leaders this technology and our leaders using a a some type of false flag to justify militarization of space. Um, yeah. But again, apparently that hasn't happened yet because other species or other much more powerful species wouldn't let us, I guess, as humans, if you will. But again, okay. that's th that's where I'm kind of confused as well, too, because, you know, you I'm not I'm not just going off of the Podesta emails. I'm sure there have been some species that have been very hesitant to share certain technology. So, again, to can humans militarize space under the you know the protection or guidance if you will of a certain species that may not be uh may not have humans best intentions at heart or has that been squashed if you will and you know well i mean just something i've obviously written about my book you know the idea that the beings have um been here in the past modified but one of the things that they claimed from the information I got was that, you know, they could just send a, a comet or a meteor and just fling it at our planet. So I just wonder that, you know, how scared would beings out in space be of us militarizing our near space? Right. I mean, it, it doesn't right. seem like it'd be a real concern for a true interplanetary species that they could end this world so easily that, you know, oh, us yeah. having a few pea shooters flying around us in satellites would be almost a joke to them. The idea of threaten these species you know, I just, I just can't see it because it must be, be so easy for anyone who has craft, you know, obviously we don't have real spacecraft, to just fly past, you know, send some weapon at us, a bioweapon or a meteorite. Very good point. Us. So maybe they would let us do it. Maybe they would just keep watching your thing as long as you don't get to a point where you genuinely can bring this out to us and be a pain. Yeah. We'll keep watching until then, you know, I don't think we can threaten them. Oh, I agree fundamentally, which is why that's what I mean. I, I ponder that both sides of that constantly. And what I will say, it's interesting. I When I was talking to Micah about the astrology, uh, we kind of talked about how it almost feels like a parent giving uh, a shortcut to a child. Like, okay, listen, you want to know how to survive when you see the bull right there put the plow on the bull. Okay. When yeah. eventually, so, yeah. and that's how he described it to me and it, it fits. And it, unfortunately it does take a lot of the, the spiritual aspect, at least out of astrology, which is weird because it's pushed in the opposite direction in the new age so hard, but it does almost seem like more of like instruction plans, easy way to teach children how to do things. And it's kind of the same thing with this. It feels the same way. Like Maybe the only way an intergalactic species would not want us to militarize space is if they actually had our best interest in mind. Yeah, right. Yeah, because they know the weapons will be turned downwards very quickly, not outwards. Right. Yeah, it's, yeah. Control us exactly. and threaten us. So, and also, you know, if they're crypto terrestrials and that they're living underground, again, they're going to see, well, you're, point, you're going to point these down, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, you're going to make this a pain for all of us. Right. Um, that's the kind of scenarios. And again, I mean, we should think very carefully because any advanced civilization like that could create a targeted bioweapon that just removes humans from this planet. I mean, right. we are nowhere near where we could do anything. And no matter what any of these people are saying out there, we're getting ready to fight them and I mean, Tom DeLonge have hinted that we're nearly ready that if they do something, we can... I think, come on, man. 
all they have to do is just send one spore in a probe or something to us and we're all gone right? oh i think if they if they wanted to they would have done it long time ago exactly yeah i don't think it's somewhere it's going to be any kind of a fights ever i mean it's just we're not you know ants don't fight elephants and all the rest of it. you know it's yeah just, it's just, <laughs> at a point where you know that's not part of it i think they, they wanted to do it if we ever were annoying enough then yeah they would just remove us and also i think it's more complex than that but you know that this world i see this world as a kind of you know for them there's some kind of an experiment going on here and so you, yeah. you you're not going to really want to just wipe it if you feel you can still correct the paths in where it's going so that's of course yeah you know, so i don't think they're going to do that i think that they're well, much more likely to intervene in other ways subtle ways and just nudge us maybe not always subtle but if you look at history the idea that sometimes maybe they do cause a disaster here and there you know and they don't see it as a problem because they see us as eternal beings that you know eternal souls and all the rest of it and that so what if a million of you die while we reshape the experiment you know you'll only come back somewhere else what are you crying about you know maybe they, their perspective is totally different to the way the average human look at that as this yeah. horror they wouldn't see that as an issue at all like what are you complaining about we're just gonna kill a few of you and they'll get everything back on track and you know, that's fine. I, I don't think, and this is just based off of my research, I could be very incorrect here, but I don't think that the ones that even are helping us with positive intentions, with purely positive intentions, I don't think they feel, it's not necessarily maybe they don't care, but I think they don't feel the bear or the weight of the responsibility to constantly prevent every single death. Right. Because Bruce made a phenomenal point in the sense that people looking at this from an external point of view, uh, you know, coming into this, uh, trying to learn about this, you would think, OK, if they were here, why wouldn't and they had good intentions? Why wouldn't they just save the planet? Everyone's happy and this and that. But Bruce made a phenomenal point. So, yeah. Well, one thing I just add on to that is often the narrative that that they're here because of our nuclear weapons and that they turn them off and they're going to stop nuclear wars. They didn't stop Hiroshima or Nagasaki and they didn't stop any of our nuclear tests. Right? Yeah. So there's yeah. loads of them. So if it's really giving ripples in other dimensions or whatever, they don't seem to really care about that. So clearly they will let us use nuclear missiles on ourselves because they have. So there, there isn't that, the fantasy version where they're just going to step in and stop wars didn't stop Second World War, the First World War. Um, so I don't think there's that level. Maybe they would step in at an extinction level event, um, possibly. But I mean, everything short of that, they seem to allow to happen. Yeah, it seems that they just come in afterwards and go, oh, hey, you're, yeah. a few of you are still here. <laughs> All right, well, take, take, uh, yeah. which books do you want to give them? Yeah, really? yeah exactly. All right. All right, cool. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, listen, guys, it's been really great. There's a couple things that we didn't really get into. Like, uh, I wanted to get into Susan Gao from the the DOD and how fucking corrupt oh, she is and all that. With, but that's with, okay. With with FOIA and how she's trying to, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that is another angle that I I I went on Dangerous World podcast recently to talk about that about how you know how far can we even trust FOIA when, you know, John Green Green was it Greenwald Greenfield from uh, the Black Vault. Uh, he's been doing this for so long. He's been mm. he's a master of this FOIA stuff. Yeah. And while he's in an appeal to re you know to he recorrect he corrected the way he said something and kind of reappealed to get Lou Elizondo's emails that's when all of a sudden you know come back oh there's no results for for Lou's emails and everything it's like well if FOIA can just if, how effective is FOIA for these bigger issues when you think about it I mean 
all they have to do is just go, yeah, well, that document doesn't exist to give. Well, you see, you see, for example, not to bring this up now, but you see, for example, as a recent case, Fauci's emails, a lot of his responses were redacted. What's the point of a right. FOIA request if they're What's redacted? What's the point? <clears throat> it's just right. bait. It's just bait. Like Mark's been saying about the fear. It's just to keep us guessing, keep us confused and keep us fearful. So I right. think if we remain on the outside and just keep pushing this, the positive light that each and every one of you guys do in your work, I think that's the most important thing we can do. Well, I just wanted to thank you for bringing all of us together, man. It was a, fun, a great idea to do this. Thank you so much. Oh, I, I, I'm honored to have you guys on. I, I, I've listened to you guys on your podcast. I've read your book. I hang out with you, Eric, all the time. And we, we debate, debate these kinds of things all the time. And I was really glad to have you. Eric almost didn't make it. So I'm glad you did. Thank my mom. So you could eat. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so if you guys want to just kind of plug the, the, the best way to, for people to reach you guys and get your work, go for it. <laughs> first if, if yes, well, um, <laughs> people can find me at uh my family thinks i'm crazy it's a podcast i do and uh, i've been on a bunch of really awesome podcasts lately including this one so you can probably see me on uh yeah project cheney just came out and uh yeah we just did an episode with isaac Weisup that just came out so yeah my family thinks i'm crazy is the podcast give it a listen just to note, Mark also started the Alt Media United Coalition Collective of podcasters that a few of us are a part of. So uh, I think that's a, it's a really great thing, what you're doing, man, bringing us together. That's an idea that a lot of us seem to have. We're all talking about it this year, and you, you made it happen. And I'm really, really happy to be a part of it. Just want to let Thank you know. You. Thank yeah, you. And, and yeah, thanks for bringing that up. The cooperative is, is moving along. So if you have a podcast and you're interested in taking part, just check out our website, altmediaunited.com. There's a place you can uh, submit your information and I'll get in touch with you. Cool, cool. Yep. I'm a part of that as well. Thank you, Mark, for setting that up and inviting me. Um, you can find my work, my podcast is Macroaggressions and also the Union of the Unwanted. We do a group roundtable discussion kind of like this uh, twice a month. And we bring in experts and content creators and have a really good time. My website is theoctopusofglobalcontrol.com. You can find my books there and things like that. And, uh, and thanks, for, thanks for inviting me. And oh, and by the way, if anyone wants to get the Project Bluebeam. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Shirts uh, are available through my, my merchandise store that's, uh, that you can go to the Octopus of Global Control. And through there, you can get all kinds of stuff like build. You get building seven mugs and crazy oh, stuff. That nice, guaranteed to trigger people in your uh, close proximity. Stuff that Am right. stuff that Amazon would gladly uh, accept as a <laughs> as a product. <laughs> um, I guess I'll I'll go next. Uh, just wanted you can find me at uh, Generation Z Podcast on uh, Instagram, Twitter, or uh, YouTube, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Podbean, or at uh, patreon.com slash Generation Z. Uh, the reason why I wanted to bring that up is because YouTube is censoring me more and more on the Patreon. We, uh, we record episodes using a shareable Dropbox link, so we can really talk about anything and everything on there. And uh, yeah, that's where you can find me. And thank you so much again for having me on. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on.
Um, I mostly can be found ranting and irritating people on Twitter. <laughs> I, um, I follow you, and and you are very good at, at both, and I yes. appreciate that. <laughs> uh, exogenesis HH, the hybrid humans. Someone said that HH was to the Nazis, so I don't know, but uh, <laughs> but exogenesis HH is hybrid humans. Um, and on there, I mean, at the moment, I'm not doing very much on my websites. I have a BruceRFenton.com, and I other websites but they're not up to date so i won't really plug them um my books are on amazon so it's a horrible company you can also get them <laughs> from me direct so which either through ebay which i don't really know how horrible they are but you can get them through ebay uh, or you can email me you know bruce at brucefenton.info and ask for a copy um that's the main things at the moment also got um, oh, a short documentary on amazon prime which is uh for seven hundred eighty thousand alien origin something i should know the, the name of my own documentary excellent but, documentary oh, by the way oh, highly oh, recommend oh, that that's it but mainly yeah mainly annoying people on twitter so <laughs> <laughs> all right you, thanks, you can find me on twitter i guess uh andy retweets me all the time and comments on everything that i post so yeah, if you are you follow the deep share twitter account you can find me there and if you want i don't know or i'll be <laughs> on the deep share podcast again someday yes oh, absolutely thank you guys yeah, we'll have to do it having me Quickly said, well, thanks everyone. And also, I mean, I think the future of podcasting you know, is, is going to be more roundtables. I really think that they're a great format. Um, mm. Love to see those starting to occur more in these fields. So it'd be great to do something like this again. And yeah, appreciate talking to all of you. Thank you, Bruce. Uh, yeah, and I was totally inspired by Union of the Unwanted, obviously. When you guys started doing this, that show, it was like, okay, this is exactly what needs to happen. We need to have multiple perspectives on at the same time, really right. digging in deep and kind of sussing out the things that we kind of fluff off and, and, and you know, land in these little pits and believe these things when we really shouldn't. And all it takes is a third or fourth person on a conversation to really go, hey, wait a minute, but this this and this that, that that doesn't fit and we can get into that you know it i think this is the method that we have to do and i do look forward to doing more of these with different people uh focused on different topics uh coming mm. up i have a guest that i've had on before ari asulin who is a pretty controversial uh researcher and he's got a lot of intense ideas but his main goal is to be proven wrong he wants to talk to professionals in right. the fields that he talks about because he doesn't know if he's right on all of it but he mm. knows he's right on some of it and i right. think that's enough to get to get us get people fired up when we have multiple people really sharing these different perspectives and kind of still ending up in this weird center and that's right. i think more people seeing that from us is is good news so I, I, thank you guys I just wanted to ask quickly, Bruce, I just sent you a message on Twitter. I have some questions for you, if that's cool. Do you check your Twitter DMs and all that? Or? Yeah, I do, yeah. Okay, okay. Th thank you, thank you. No all right, guys. Well, if that's it, then thank you guys so much for coming together and doing this with me. This was awesome. I look forward to future conversations with you guys, all of you, because this is awesome. And I know we could branch off into a million different subtopics, mm -hmm. each and every one of us. So it was. Uh, I think we did a pretty good job of staying close to the ufo disclosure I mean, we branched off a little bit a couple octopus tentacles went out there but that's you know it's appropriate that's, that's that's part of the that's the the joys in the journey right i guess that's somewhat part of it sometimes absolutely so you you heard it here guys everybody thanks for listening and this will be out really soon i'm gonna probably probably try to release it either tonight or tomorrow morning so it'll cool. be out in that there case there's a new episode of the union of the unwanted this monday just want to plug that it's going to be a big episode we got uh 
Crow Triple Seven coming on. So I think people can guess nice. what that topic is <laughs> be about. But yeah, big episode of the Union of the Unwanted on Monday. Yeah, check it out. It'll be fun. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. All right, guys. Again, thank you so much Thanks, for being everyone. here. And and uh listeners, the narrative is not the way. That's all I gotta say. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Deep Share Podcast. If you want to hear more, then hit that subscribe button. Follow me on all the social places. And remember, think for yourself, but don't always believe what you think. Till next time. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, cactus carrier. Enough, I get the point. You have meddled with the primal forces of <laughs> and you will atone. What do we know? What do we know? If oh. I know what we know, then I can tell you what we know, and if someone else knows, okay? <laughs> <laughs>Mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.